What's going on, everybody? It is Thursday, October 13th, and you have found the Pinwheels and Ivy podcast. I am your host, Matt Swaski, a.k.a. Southside Zoe, a.k.a. Father Zoe. And with me, as always, is Mr. Aldo Soto. Guys, one day closer until Carlos Correa signs with the Cubs. Oh, that explains the future pick. Okay. and Well, that's your very... boy, the spotter. Oh, wow. It's a twofer. Mm-hmm. Oh, look at Makes you, you think. man. Makes you think. You're on Makes top you... of your producer game right now. <laughs> and that very handsome-looking man that looks like he just stepped off the golf course or is going to court, NASCAR Mitch. Both of those would be problem. Wow. I don't know what I'd go to court for. I'm trying to think. Being too damn handsome. Yeah. All right. Embezzlement. Some white collar crash. (laughs) So, uh, Mitch, I'd like to be the first to officially welcome you to off-season podcasting. It's not good to be here. We should still be October Talking Socks podcasting. I agree. We're here nonetheless. But we are here. Um, it's 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 an adventure, Mitch. It's an adventure. I can't. Yeah, yeah, I've gotten a little bit of a, a taste of it. It's kind of mm-hmm. like when you're like down the stretch in like September, you're like, yeah, you know, I've played in some big games. I like playoff baseball is a whole different animal. It's like off-season podcasting. Yeah. yeah. I don't know if I'm fully prepared. Yeah, and like this one's a little bit different though because like this is like the first year like I didn't expect to be here at this point. Yeah. I, mean, I did, but I didn't. You know what I mean? Like, yeah. So, as you could notice, uh, K-Fizz is not with us today. Uh, I think he's, I don't know what he's doing. He's out there researching why Nico Horner is better than Tim Anderson. Uh, <laughs> People are saying, mostly Kevin. <laughs> mostly Kevin. I'm sorry, Fitz, I couldn't resist. Uh... We, got, we do have stuff to talk about, though. It, the good thing about this offseason, podcasting-wise and, you know, content-wise, is it should be eventful, by all means, for both teams. We got a manager um, surge. We got some yep, rickets have, saying the Cubs are going to spend. We have the White Sox manager search. Um, I think we should just do a segment of what's in Zoe's DMs, because I'd be at the weirdest fucking trade shit. So, hey, I heard this rumor... The janitor that cleans up for the building next to U.S. Cellular sent me this thing. That was just like, wait, what? There's that Reddit post, the big Reddit post. I, I kind of want to go. I'm actually about to pull that up. I'm I want to go bullet now. point by bullet point to that because uh, the That's other thing about pretty like I would not be surprised. Do I think it's accurate? No, but like no. going through that, there was nothing in there that was like. Now that's too far fetched for me to the, believe, which is kind of the, scary. Twenty one bullet points. The best part about that is that, like the the person who posted that, they edited it eventually, but apparently at the bottom of it, they kind of doxed who apparently they talked to, sitting in a hospital emergency room, and they had the time to to have twenty one different conversations. <laughs> it, it it rhymes with mamusa. <laughs> Well, all that more, we're going to actually, we are going to get into this. Uh, let's have this guy. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. Yeah. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. That time of the year now, Wrigley or Canty, so the whole league that we hear now. New show with a new mood, discussions and interviews, straight rumors that might be. This is Pinwheels and Knife. Yeah, this is what you waiting for. Yeah, you can put it on a boy. Yeah, every season they get all changed. Take me out to the bar game. 
This is what you're waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. Check me out to the bar, yeah. This is what you're waiting for, yeah. You can put it on a boy, yeah. Every season, make it all change. As always, the show is brought to you by Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. Make sure you download the app, turn on push notifications, so you'll be the first to know when the White Sox completely screw up this manager hiring. Uh, Sports Mockery, sportsmockery.com. And, hey, Mitch writes a lot of good shit on sportsmockery.com, and although I saw you throwing some stuff up there, too. you guys back in support, it. If it su- as long as support. the Cubs try, I'll try. Yep. Yeah, I mean, you can read all about the White Sox managerial search right there. I, it was a lengthy article there today. All yep. you need to know about the hacks they're interviewing. Support your boys. <laughs> Support your boys. Sports so Mitch Mockery, is very optimistic about the manager search. <laughs> um, and then also, I do want to bring this up because we'll just get out of it because Jumper seems like a Katy Perry booty hole conspiracy. Just for all those that might be new to the show, and Mitch, I don't think I ever told you a story. I actually played 16-inch softball with the guy who was behind the Katy Perry Boyle thing. No way. Bro, we were sitting on the bench. Our team was batting. We're sitting on the bench, just whatever. And me and uh, my good buddy, Matt Eastman, were, uh, you know, just talking about what was happening with that whole situation. And I was like, yeah, it started by some account named Katy Perry's Boyle. And this dude starts laughing. And it's a good friend of mine's uh, brother-in-law. And I was just like okay why i was like yeah it's a pretty funny name he goes no dude that's me and i was like fuck off no way and he like pulled it all up and like show i was like oh my god dude you know like national reporters are talking about he's like yeah i kind of took off <laughs> so wait did he actually know or did he just make that up so he is claiming that he know he knew like someone he's a south side guy and as you guys know you know, we all have friends of a friend or someone that works here, or there's a lot of union employees that work at U.S. Cellular Comiskey Rate Field. So, I mean, there's a good possibility he did actually hear something. I mean, guys, uh, he he knew he had the exact trait. Yeah, he, that's like, a he hard knew. one to like pull out yeah. of your ass too, yeah, <laughs> or your booty hole, I guess. All I I can say, though, is he has nothing to do with, like, baseball. He's not, like, an aspiring reporter or journalist. He's actually a really goofy guy, obviously, but, like, he's he's a good dude. Because if I recall correctly, it was he posted it, and he said, I heard this from someone. And then I forget which of the usernames he chimed in later. He's like, yeah, this is me. I, I heard this, and, like, I told this guy. So, yeah. Yep. So... Yeah, but me and uh, me and the booty hole, we are tight. <laughs> um, yeah, but I guess let's before I do want to dissect this Reddit. This is off. This is this is prime off season podcasting. We're gonna dissect a Reddit report. But uh, for those of you that don't know what this is, all right. So if you're unfamiliar with Reddit, there's a lot of shit on Reddit, like. A lot of stuff on Reddit. Basically, anything you need to know, you can find on Reddit. There's a lot of really cool stuff, a lot of weird shit. Like, Reddit's a cool place if you know how to navigate it. In sports Reddit, there's always this, like, wild theories or, like, 
but every once in a while you get stuff like this from a user you know that knows a guy or had a conversation with a guy in a hospital or, or something and they go to reddit because they you know they can hide behind a username and there's a lot of it's a lot harder to find out who a person really is on reddit so this guy six days ago so almost a week to the day put up this thing of 21 bullet points and here's the preference to it all right i'll read this quickly all right now that the season is basically over it's time to uphold what i said back about a month ago here and he hyperlinks to an old post saying that he knows information uh this was the game adam dropped the ball and then we got walked off by the orioles i still fought a little on whether i should post this or pm the people who are interested directly but basically i don't really care anymore if you do or don't believe me again i truly don't care if you believe me believe this stuff or not there's honestly some stuff in here that i heard that i'm not sure i'm personally 100 percent on either but i'm forwarding the information these are in no order at all i'm also terrible at formatting on reddit so it might look like crap he actually did a pretty good job so He's like really prefacing this, like, I don't know. So I guess before we get into this, all three of us have read this already. Um, I feel like there's some stuff on here that has the possibility to be true. And there's some stuff on here that's just like laughable. Like it's. To, to me, a lot of this stuff is like, uh, again, it's right. It's like, it's not that, again, it's not that serious. Like we're talking about just right. random shit right now. That's the other thing too. It's a Reddit post. Everybody. Yeah, like, the, the thing, the only thing that, uh, like, we all see it during the off season, like with the when like the fake uh, MLB reporters come out on Twitter, and then we, and mm-hmm. then like you know, one guy will randomly get something right, and it's like, well, now you got to believe this guy because he got this thing right. But like yes. a lot of these things yes. in this thread are like you can basically can see like you can make that up in your mind and be like, yeah, that's pro- that's probably true. Like a lot of these things are kind of like kind of obvious. And then there's right. like some yeah. things that are just like way yeah. out there that you're yeah. like, mm, okay, you're not you, you got you got too carried away with it, my guy. See, I don't think any of it's really true. Like you said, like any of it, like there's some stuff in there that like you could probably do, like you know, there's you like can, it's like what like one. Although bullet, your boy, I mean, exactly that. But like I, you can take things and be like shape a narrative and then like create the story. And it's like, well, it could happen because this one little thing is true. Right. So if you're right. building around it, well, it's like to right. defend it with like I don't know. He had to say like I don't know if it's 100 percent true twice in the thing. Like to yes. cover your tracks, like that's how you know it's probably not yeah. true. But I will say this: all the stuff in there, like some of it is like laughable, I guess. But seeing how the White Sox operate. None of it would be like, well, you know, that wouldn't surprise me if it did happen. Like, that's what was so scary about the entire thing. Like, going through it, and there's some stuff that's like, yeah, that probably didn't happen. But if it did happen, I wouldn't be that surprised. It's funny. That's perfect. That's very well said because that's how I went through this. So I went through this, and I was just, some of it, I was just like, come on. And then I was like, wait a minute. Shit. That actually, that that doesn't seem completely out of the realm of possibility. We'll put it that way. And like how Mitch said, that's the scary part. (laughs) <laughs> yes. And so we're going to go through these right now. And then after this, what I want to do is as veterans to this game, we're going to go over some of the things that you should, some rules, if you will, for off season rumor Twitter, because <laughs> I see a lot of mistakes being made. So 
Number one, Oscar Colas blocked any signing up for a right fielder in the previous offseason. The club thought he'd be ready in 2023 and didn't want to pay anyone. Half true. I got to see. You know what I mean? Like, Yeah. But wait, what, what, wasn't there like a next point that kind of so like number two that like contradicts it or something? Well, we'll get down there. Yeah. So number two. Uh, TLR answered to nobody but Jerry. Every time there was an issue, you went straight to Jerry, and Jerry either told the player to shut up or they'll be traded or threatened to fire a staff member. That, I think, is 100% true. No, there's no way Jerry... Doesn't it say that Jerry Reinsdorf went down? There's no way that happened. Well, no, but I think the first part of that's true. I think yeah, right. Tony an- he yeah. Went, no, he didn't answer to anyone. Yeah, totally agree. I think Tony probably talked to Rick Hahn like a total of four times all season. Right. <laughs> But like, like you, one of them was like, like this is basically you seen out of this is basically a scene out of Moneyball when like Brad Pitt's character right. comes down and he's in the locker room yelling at guys like Jerry Reinsdorf isn't doing that. And then there's the Ken Rosenfall thing too, where he's like writing his snarky letter or whatever. It's like yeah, like Tony, you're not taking any advice from like your co- you don't go collaborate with your coaches at all. It's like yeah, of course, he's not answering to any. They mean that didn't surprise me at all. Um, <laughs> number three, the Kimball trade was entirely Kenny Williams. I don't nah, I don't. I, mean, uh, I do have to. It, it's weird because, like, every time I think about the White Sox front office, uh, like the the dynamic of it is like Rick Hahn is the GM, but he's like the like he's the forefront guy. He's the guy who speaks to the media all the time. Like you'll randomly get Kenny Williams sometimes, mm-hmm. like after the Machado uh, debacle. But like I think like with the cut, like because Kenny Williams, his title is higher than Rick Hahn. <laughs> but, but then they always cover <laughs> sorry Aldo. this is fucking hilarious <laughs> brian says i made a and comment like, on twitter about this dollars to donuts jerry doesn't know 80 percent of the team's name he probably calls gavin sheets yonder <laughs> I, it's just i pictured it in my head that's why it's funny if kenny did in fact make that trade though i don't think it's that bad like obviously hindsight 2020 or whatever but at the time, you're getting an all-star for a closer that you didn't want to, you know, pay for the next couple of years. I didn't think it was like a terrible move when they made that trade. And obviously, AJ wildly underperformed, but you know, yep. good for Kenny if it wasn't. And also, fun fact, no one on that trade made a playoff roster this year. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Which is crazy. Wild times. He's very unhappy. That's why. That's how you know it's a good compromise. Everyone yeah. leaves unhappy, as yeah. Larry David said. Uh, that um, was the good old-fashioned lose, lose, lose. Yeah. Yes, yes, yes. The often, yes. Uh, number four, Rick Hahn has wanted to quit for some time and will possibly resign in the offseason. He is extremely upset that he cannot run the team the way he wants and cannot spend the way he wants. He was against the Kimbrel trade and apparently overrode somehow by Kenny when, in fact, Rick is the GM. Yeah. I don't see him quitting. No. No. I've said this for years, and this was before like uh, the rebuild even started. Rick Hahn has like the best job security because, yeah, number one, fans all, when something goes wrong, uh, like acquisition wise, trades, whatever, what people always go back to, oh fucking Kenny Williams, and then when he fucks up, like not getting free agents, it's like, well, he's he's handsprung because like Jerry Reinsdorf yeah, doesn't want to spend. It. He, right. he has the most excuses, like, for He's any GM out there. Teflon Han, man. Yeah. <laughs> Why would you leave a secure job where you make millions of dollars? I don't I don't think that's um, – this is where it gets a little weird. They offered Bryce Harper 150 mil for 11 years straight up with roughly 80 mil in incentives. Harper was also interested in playing here, but not as much as Machado. 
That I actually do kind of believe because Harper was on a barstool podcast talking very highly about the White Sox lineup. I and he's like, that. Everything that they have, you want in the lineup, they have roster protection, all that. So I could see that. I just think it wasn't enough money. You know, so, Bryce Harper definitely said that he was interested in signing with the White Sox. Yeah, so yeah. Just nothing really they, they, they played it cheap. And Machado wouldn't surprise me, too. I mean, you know, I I, I was almost sure he was going to sign with the White Sox. All the signs are pointing to it, too, until he did. Like, I remember when he came out with the new glove he was going to wear, and yeah, it was black and white. <laughs> black and white glove. Yeah. Oh, Mitch. You, San Diego. You should have been around uh, with us during that offseason because every oh, little man. bit of – there was like a – there was like this – like. Uh, camera or this phone video it was a blurry picture of Machado and it's like wait mm. is he wearing a White Sox hat <laughs> Just <laughs> every little thing that offseason was fantastic good times well, there, there was which... like a, I think there was a week long debate on Twitter on like what color the glove was yep <laughs> And like people, people were, they were not joking around. They no, were trolling. They were, they were being 100% serious. <laughs> uh, well, speaking of him, that brings number six. The real offer to Machado was eight years for 190 mil with roughly 150 mil in incentives playing bonuses. The worst part was that Machado wanted to play here. The holdup was Machado was was him trying to negotiate with the Sox to sign here. The Padres had their offer on the table table for longer and he didn't sign it to see if it would work out here. See, I think that one's kind of, but see that one kind of gets messed up. And then that's why I also don't believe the Harper, at least the numbers. I get the story of like, you know, Harper was obviously interested and the White Sox just didn't offer anything uh, good, but like we've had reporters like Rosenthal pass, like the deal was the like two fifty, and then the ridiculous, Right, like the the attachment years. It's like, yeah, well, if you get this in year eight and nine and ten, you'll get right. right. So I think, I think the this, figures are kind of. I think that guy was trying yeah. to. I don't know. I think what that's where the Sox do. lost them is because they were willing to go up to three hundred million, but one hundred fifty of it was in, and he had to earn it. Right. Where the right. Padres were just like, we'll just give it to you. By the way, yeah. he had a home run tonight. Right, he's doing right. pretty good. Yeah, he's not doing bad. He's like an, he's an MVP candidate, but you don't want that. Number this is bullet point number seven, and it makes me laugh every time I read it. It's absolutely hilarious. <laughs> Rick Hahn apparently actually does unironically spend hours a day reading fan emails and mail. <laughs> it seems like a waste of time when he should be working on the team, but whatever. I just picture Rick Hahn sitting in his office, like a single tear running down his face as he's reading me, being like, You fucking suck. I mean, he has a burner, <laughs> he has multiple burner accounts. Multiple burners. He, like the way his contempt towards White Sox fans, anytime he talks about being annoyed by them, like yes, I believe this is the one. I he slipped up yeah. that one time. He, he slipped <laughs> he, up that one time where he's like, "People on Twitter want us to lose." I don't get it. Yeah, it's like, wait, how do you know? Are you, do you are know, you Bob? checking yeah. up on Twitter? <laughs> how do you he know? Did say too, he does. Like he told Scott Merkin in a column too that he does like read fan mail. I don't know if he's spending hours a day, but like. Yeah, once again, could see it. Well, Zoe, this explains why he didn't do anything at the trade deadline. He was too busy reading tweets. Yep. Yeah. Well, and we all know that Twitter ruined the Jock Peterson signing a couple That's years right. ago. That, that, so. that was the other thing. Oh, my God. I've never yeah. heard of a GM blame Twitter rumors for ruining a deal. Oh, my God. <laughs> that, wow. dude that, that dude that tweeted it in his bio now, it still says, like, I ruined Jock Peterson to the White Sox. <laughs> I think that's, that's fucking funny. <laughs> Um, point number eight, contrary to bullet point number one, the team really wants to sign Conforto. Yeah. What? That doesn't make any sense. Like if it's, no. yeah, 
Yeah. That's that one's cap. Yeah, that ooh, cap. Look at us. We're young and hip. We're young. Yeah. And hip. Cap. Um bullet point number nine. The click leak was actually apparently from Dallas Keiko. The shocking part is that apparently what he said was true. The most offensive is the Cuban players constantly backing each other and constantly shit talking others that don't perform. Dallas is apparently the one that got it the hardest. Makes sense with his comments. That doesn't. I actually. That's probably true. That is probably true. All right, I'll be honest. Though, I don't blame the clicks either. I could see like Dallas no, like dude. coming in there and they're like you know they're playing Yoan Moncada the music videos like hey guys yeah like turn that down <laughs> yeah Dallas sucks. He probably got what he deserves. Cry me a river. Uh, I think. Number- I mean that that one that one was already exposed before this. Right. right. Yeah, it was totally Dallas. Liam Hendricks said it was he was the one yeah. that leaked it. So. Uh, number 10, TA's baby mama situation was paid off under the rug. Apparently everybody do their fake shock face. Yeah. Cause what baby mama. No way. I kind of went away. Uh, right. point, no, I'm that wasn't him at the airport either. Yeah. <laughs> Bullet point number 11. Uh, they're going to offer Jose Abreu one year for 15 to 20 million. Uh, Don't see that happening. I, yeah. Oh yeah, I don't think we have to. We have to talk. We haven't been on since that came out. Yeah, we'll 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 get into that after this then. Um, oh, this one is this is a very interesting one. Bullet point number twelve: the White Sox offer for Otani was Dylan Cease, Michael Kopech, Aloy Menes, Andrew Vaughn. The Angels asked for all that plus Colas, Montgomery, and Rowdy Reed. The Sox said no. Yeah, that's not true. There's no. If they had that report that said Vaughn and Cease are both on the untouchable list, and they're including both of them, and the Angels said no to that, I don't think so. Because at the time, the White Sox were still competing to make the playoffs this right. year. Yeah, they're, they're, they're not, not gutting that team yeah. for no that. that Especially with two of the long. guys on the untouchable list. Yeah. I mean, that that on, on top of that, like. Okay, so the White Sox have Otani, and then what? They're not going to resign Shohei Otani. They're not going to give that guy four hundred million dollars. So no. are they just going to trade him next year? Yeah. Um, number thirteen, which Mitch, this kind of goes against what you were. The Sox view nobody, including Cease, as untouchable. So, who do you believe? I'm going with Bob Nightingale. He has never oh, let boy. me down with any White Sox stuff. That's oh, true. As boy. much as we count on Bob. Bob I mean, that, that's basically Kenny Williams and Jerry Ryden's story. He's telling him. a reliable yeah. White Sox source. It, I will Bob, that. Bob Nightingale is like the only real life burner. <laughs> like he's, <laughs> he's Jerry and Kenny's yes. burner. Yep. Um, where are we at? Oh, here we go. Number 14. Uh, rumblings in the front office about signing Brandon Nemo. No shit. Like, that's just common. I have eyeballs in a brain. I saw some rumblings on Twitter about that one, too. Yeah, I, mean, I was gonna that's... say this just seems like just a roundup of Twitter rumors. <laughs> yeah, uh, number fifteen, Jerry has no interest in hiring Espinata. Wrong name. Why well, is that? They, well, they interviewed him today, so Espada. Yeah, Espada. Espada. I thought I was being. I mean, that's the thing, clever. though. If didn't Bob Nightingale basically say like it's like each camp has their guy? Which so. is a great way to run an organization. <laughs> um, number 16. Uh, this team isn't going to change at all this offseason. They don't view many holes being fixable besides right field. I hope the fuck that's not true. But once again, could very much see that being the case. Oh, yeah. Oh, definitely. Um, 17. Rodon was not offered a qualifying offer by the front office because they wanted to do right by him. Rick Hahn was not happy about it. 
That I don't know about the Rick Hahn thing, but I also did hear this when it happened because they were trying to get a good relationship with Scott Boris because they figured that he wasn't going to sign it anyway. So they're trying mm. to like kind of Scott in favor days. by not extending him the qualifying offer. So that one I actually did kind of hear too when it came out. Yep. Um, Frank Menachino is apparently the only coach that is potentially going to be removed or fired. They looked at McEwing and Boston and probably aren't replacing them. They are considering bringing up the triple a hitting coach again. Be, be <laughs> Frank Menachino is the triple a hitting coach. Yeah. yeah. Um, the training staff is going to be entirely canned again. This time everyone means everyone. I think okay. out of all the bullet points that we've read so far, this is the one that, as a White Sox fan, you want to happen. Well, yeah. And then, well, no, wait a minute. You haven't heard number 20 yet. Well, out of so far, so far. Jerry has reached out to Herm trying Schneider. to get him to unretire. <laughs> the Sox need to stop trying to get guys who are retired to unretire. Yes. <laughs> okay. And, like, everyone says Herm Schneider was great at this job. I'm not saying he was bad, but I always found it hilarious as a kid that, like, there'd be an injury, and then they're like, who is this, like, out-of-shape guy, like, running on the field? He's like, oh, that's our trainer. It's like, that guy's the trainer? It's yeah. kind of... I, I, like, I always feel... The time he gets the left field, is like, Jesus. I, I I just, like, thought I was... Like, the two... Who are, like, the two most known guys are the White Sox in the last 20 years? It's Herm Schneider and then uh, the Sodfather. Pretty much. <laughs> like, that's yeah. White Sox baseball. <laughs> That's so sad. And then last but not least, they have been talking with Ben Nettie since the all-star break to try to get him to continue to cast Sox games. Yeah. yeah I, I, I didn't that, realize yeah. I didn't realize that him and Steve Stone are like technically free agents right now. Yep. Ben Nettie, I think, is gone. I, he's, a, he's a hot commodity out there. And he's got so many different jobs as it is. He just signed that new deal with Fox. Like, that man is a workaholic. I don't know how he does it with his schedule to begin with. Uh, next yeah. year, doing the full major league schedule plus all the national games he does for the MLB, and then all the college football games he does, and it's going to be bull. I don't know. I don't see it. Yeah, I mean, so that is that list. Is more than anything, I just find it entertaining. Like, yeah, it was like something like fun to talk about and like get you to think about different scenarios and stuff like that. But I don't know. I thought it'd be cool to share it on here because I know not everybody listening to this goes on Reddit. Or anything like that. So, and you're better for it if you are one of those people. Let's not waste your yeah, time. You can get into some deep rabbit holes on there. Um, and then, I guess, in real world news, uh, we have started the process now where the White Sox are interviewing people. Um, Espada is one of them. They met with him uh, actually on Wednesday. Uh, was, he was meeting with, I think, the White Sox and the Marlins. Yeah, yeah. Marlins are going to get him. Probably. He's um, with okay with like, I understand like everybody's like, oh, let's go get him. Get, this is the guy. This is the guy. This is the guy. No one has yet to tell me like why. Especially with him, like he was, he's been like kind of a hot commodity for a while because he's had interviews in each of the past couple seasons. The Cubs interviewed him too. Isn't got any of these jobs, which is concerning. And I know mm-hmm. Rick Hahn was talking about how they wanted a guy with experience too. Doesn't have any managerial experience. Uh, I mean, so I'm not saying he's going to be bad, but like he, he doesn't check the experience box and he's had a lot of opportunities and no one's hired him yet. So I can't remember from the last time from when Tony LaRusso was hired. Did they get to interview a spot or no? Or did that just like happen right away? They said they were interviewing people and then all of a sudden it was like, we hired Tony. Oh, okay. So that was definitely like, uh, what's coming in and just being like, yeah, you yeah. can stop all that yeah. shit. I'm hiring <laughs> my guy. Last year he interviewed with the Mets. 
who obviously didn't get higher him, and then the um, athletics as well. So, yeah. so, uh, but apparently, I've read like him. big analytical guy. Like that's a big reason why people like him. I do like that. Uh, oh, man, Machado just tied the game again. He also, game. you know, from Puerto Rico, he'll help with the Latin uh, click there. I guess is a yep. young, younger guy, younger yep. than at least Tony Larusa. <laughs> He's under 60. Then that's the thing, too. Because, like, between the two points Han had in his end-of-season press conference, his experience was one of the qualifications and a guy that like, can relate to today's players and understands today's game, which he definitely right. checks that box. So it's kind of a matter of what's more important to you if you're going to hire him. Is it experience or a guy that understands today's game? So and I, then, well, I guess along that same line, the other name that was brought up was uh, Pedro Griffoyle. We'll go with that pronunciation. Yeah, uh, that's all right. Vintage. Yeah, he's the bench coach for the Royals. Um, he is 52 years old. Um, yeah, I mean, I don't really know much about him either, to be honest with you. Uh, he was drafted yeah, by the Twins clue. in the sixth round in 91. He played in the minor leagues for the Twins and the Mets, and he worked for the Mariners as the director of minor league operations. That's about, yeah. I mean, I mean, that's one of those, and I'd never heard of him either. It kind of came out of left field, but I'm fine with covering all your bases. Well, I mean, can't hurt to give the guy an interview. Um, well, here's but, the thing. I can't get mad about that because this is kind of what I wanted. Yeah. I wanted a younger guy that, like, is not the same name over and over and over again. And then, I guess, to that line, the other name that's been brought up is Ron Washington. That would be a disaster. I, I that would almost feel like a slightly lateral move because he's 70. We already saw what the 162 game season, like that grind does someone over 70 with Tony LaRusso. That's why we lost our last manager. It's basically Tony LaRusso with less experience. Now, the only difference is he's been in the game. He hasn't, he obviously hasn't had a 10 year layoff, but I, I I wanted to say this about, because I keep getting into these discussions about Ron Washington on Twitter. And I, I wanted to use this to like, kind of get my reasoning here. I want, I, I want, I want Ron Washington. Oh, wow. Uh, I would love for Ron Washington to be the bench coach for the 2023 Chicago White Sox. Now, he's 70 years old. I don't want him running the show. Bench coaches don't have to be, you know, do the media thing after the games. They don't have to, you know what I mean? They He could just sit there and do his job. And one thing that's followed Ron Washington around his entire career is he stresses on defense and basically hustle discipline. Two things that the White Sox majorly lacked this season. And I think Ron Washington also brings in a certain level of respect, like the same level of respect of a Tony La Russa, which a lot of these players all said, like we have crazy amount of respect for Tony La Russa. It's just, you know, but if you have Ron doing that stuff and then you get a younger guy running the show who can be more into the analytics side of things and, you know, relate to these players a little bit more eye to eye on things like that. I think that's the perfect combination. And so all that being said, it will never happen. Yeah. I mean, also, too, with him, that, that just got me thinking. He helped turn Dansby Swanson. I mean, he was already a good defender, but he helped make a, like an elite defender. Like Dansby come out and credited him like I was working with Washington. He helped, like, made me basically the best defender in the game. Yeah, him working with Tim Anderson. Oh, God. We're not even having a debate who's a better shortstop. Once we get the defense figured out with Walker. that on purpose because you saw Fids join. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Do not get him fucking started, Mitch. I swear to God, I'll mute both of you. Uh, oh. 
No, I'll just look at it. Um, some of the other names that have been brought up. One thing that we need to say, uh, Spruce Bruce, old man Bruce. He's not coming out of fucking retirement. For Stop saying his name. Bruce Bosch, he's not going to manage the White Sox. I didn't think so, but Bob had him in the list. He's not coming. No, out. I'm saying there's a chance. So, 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 like either either Jerry Reinsdorf or Kenny Williams wants Bruce Bochy. It's probably Jerry. It's guys. These are guys like Jerry knows. But look, I mean, <laughs> Jerry doesn't. Jerry hasn't watched baseball in 30 years, so it's just <laughs> going off of names that he knows. I mean, the fact that though, I and like I said, I wouldn't be put it, but he was the favorite, and a lot of these Vegas sites and these Vegas people, they don't, you know. They make money for a reason. They they know. And Bob had him in the report. So if there's smoke, there's fire. I think there's a chance. And if you listen to his quotes from back from like 2021, every time he's asked about it, he's like, well, I'll never say never. So, <laughs> Jerry, hire Jim Leland for God's sakes. What? Yeah. Well, what was it the other guy in the list? Uh, Earl Weaver. What? Schilt? Yes. The Schilt? former Cardinals Schilt? coach, Schilt? which. Schultz. Don't, don't know how. I don't, I don't know how he'd mesh with this team. But the man is a good manager, dude. I think he got a raw deal in St. Louis. Totally. That guy Never had a losing Manager of the year. Do not want Mike Chill. Uh, Mike, he, he, I know they won. They were successful. But there is a reason that he just got canned despite That's being, fair. That's fair. And I mean, like in a good I team. use that logic a lot. So I, that's, yeah. that's fair. That guy gives me, uh, what is the guy that used to be with the Royals? Like Ned Yost vibes. It's like, yeah, like, hey, he he eventually won, but it wasn't it wasn't really like because of him. Uh, well, yeah, and that would be the concern is connecting with the roster because, like you said, there's a reason he got canned. But I'd like to find out what it was because <laughs> 17 game win streak and they won every year he was there. Look at the comparable age, by the way, of the names that are being thrown out there. By the way, like, what's the average age of the three that that Bob threw out there? I mean, what he threw out Madden, Bochy, Washington, yeah. Uh, 55, I believe, with uh, or no, how Bochi's 67, Washington 70. Um, and then the other one that we didn't bring up yet is apparently Joe Madden's getting an interview. Yeah, so is think about that. Yeah, yeah. I saw that as a random, I thought, yeah, I thought he was open to manage anywhere. I didn't see he was getting an interview, he was just like a random uh, Twitter account. Like you could party with those guys though. You show up, yeah. Ron Washington brings the blow. Madden brings the Vino. It's that guy. It's that dude that that Mike Rodriguez. That he gets. He's one of those guys. He's batting like two fifty on rumors. You know, that's not true. He's saying that. By the way, Mike Schulte's fifty-four. He's saying Joe Madden's getting an interview from the the Sox and the Marlins. So apparently, the Sox and the Marlins are just teaming up to interview everybody. And again, well, how do you guys feel about Joe Madden? We've we've talked about him before. I'm good. But, yeah. I, do, I I do not. That's a hard pass for me. I'm good on that, dude. It's kind of a hipster doofus. But he's mm. been as successful in the past, and I feel like if he gets teams to buy into his shit, it works really well. Which... His act wears thin, though. It did in Tampa. It did in Chicago. I mean, even last in. Um, you just Atlanta. want him for one year. You just need to win once, and then it's all worth it. Yeah. The thing about Madden, too, and that was the thing we were talking about, that story that came out in SI with the interview with him talking about how things were run in Anaheim and why he was really why he was fired in Anaheim, which was you got a general manager calling down to the dugout uh, and demanding lineup changes mid-game in, in-game strategy. And you got a you got a general manager and an assistant general manager that actually put their own locker in the coach's locker room to dress and change out before games. That's just weird shit. But with Madden, shit. 
he he actually points it out. And again, the White Sox probably don't fall into this category because they're not an analytics-based really franchise. But in an analytics-based franchise, a guy like Joe Madden's one job is people. That's it. People. It's not about making, you know, in-game decisions are made through the analytics department. I mean, the, the article was pretty clear. Like a majority of the decisions that are made in-game and before games with lineups and whatnot, you know, he was told these are the guys that you know, we've talked about this on the show. It probably happened with Larusa too. You're told before a game, you have these five relievers today. These are the only ones you can use. Sorry, the other guys are shut down. Analytics department says this is their day. They've got to sit. And he's got to play hot, you know, hot potato with, with five arms um, and, and kind of figure it out. Guys like Madden know that their job is to deal with both the players' personalities and all the dynamics of that, as well as obviously with the media. And I think with Madden, I don't think Madden lost the locker room as much as he lost the media. Um, yep. And I think that that's the problem is if you lose the media in Chicago, those those they're going to come for you. And so with Madden, you know, he didn't lose the media. I mean, again, he was he actually was like basically it was like fire one of my coaches or fire me is basically the ultimatum that he gave and it was just a weird situation but a guy like madden his job is not come out here and write you know write lineups and do all the his job is to keep the wheels on the truck at all times and can he do that with this locker room i'm not entirely sure but i can tell you what um you know there are dudes that will go to hell and back in a gasoline suit for joe madden for the rest of their life and there there's there's heat to that there's a reason why um, and he's a really good he's a good guy that really does play with it, but it does. It can wear thin after the novelty wears off and the, the magicians are gone, the petting zoo's finished, and you know, costume days have ended. What are you still going to be doing there to keep these players going? And I think that's where he struggled. I think everything just got to be, you know, it, it hit so fast that everything else at that point was so much more difficult to be original and innovative because he basically used everything in the trick, every trick in the book, and he was he was out of gimmicks. And well, at that point. Well, he didn't get a chance to do his last one because I just remembered how the day he got fired is when he got his oh, yeah, Mohawk. Yep, yeah, Mohawk. But he, he got fired a- before he could even see the team. Um, he could have saved the season with a Mohawk. I mean, come just on. Just so you guys what? know, uh, future Chicago Cubs shortstop Trey Turner just hit another home run. Dude, he's he, that guy. You 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 talked about uh, Dansby Swanson adding some a couple hundred thousand to his contract. Trey Trey Turner right now is like, yeah. give me the Korea money. He would he be a great he- Cubs second baseman. He's gonna get paid. He can play second base, which that works out better than. But anyways, um, I feel like there was one other name that we've. Oh, I keep. I'm trying to keep up with the comments, which I'm loving that the comment section's flying right now. It's awesome, guys. Um, Willie Harris is another name. I got no problem with Willie Harris. I'm just. I'm over the nepotism. Like I don't want anybody in the White Sox organization. It's no connection. Bad. It's such bad timing with Willie Harris. Yeah, it really. They. Willie Harris, if Willie Harris is your guy, Willie Harris should have been hired two seasons ago. Yeah. And I think it, he was, I think he was like coach, I think he was with the Reds before. And I think that's where he came from uh, to join the Cubs. But yeah, this is just like bad. No, we did the LaRusa thing. We're sick and tired of just everything. Being I'd actually Sox be okay related. with this, Brian. He said, Wash and Willie in the dugout. I'd be honest yeah. It sounds like a morning talk show on the radio. Drive. <laughs> Wash and Willie. <laughs> Wash and like, Willie. Yeah. Sell the shirts. Print the shirts. W and W. Boom. Um, and then the other name that keeps coming up is Carlos Beltran. I don't think Carlos Beltran's coming to the White Sox, guys. I don't either, but I would not hate that one. I wouldn't mind it. I just, I mean, I know he comes with a lot of baggage. So did Tony. Whole, with the whole cheating and all that shit. Well, I mean, Tony of the DUIs, Washington has, you know, what is being innovative and trying to win that's what we need here is winners i like uh, if you're not cheating you're not trying hard enough that's what carlos beltran represents and yeah so that's the stuff going on with the managerial stuff 
Is there uh, anyone? Not even a mention of Ryan Christensen. That's making me so sad that nobody's not his name hasn't come up in I'm, any. I'm holding strong for any. It's, I'm still. I know. I'm, I you know I trust your judgment. So I've been. Maybe he's not. Maybe maybe he does have a bad rep under under the under the current. I guess. But I man, think, uh, I, it's hard for me to see that that guy's not getting at least a shot to like sit down with somebody and like. Oh, that's the other thing I wanted to bring up. Um, Jumper messaged me on the side. Uh, apparently, there was what's his name? Hold on. He's he not six, a Vegas boy. <laughs> he was on six seventy the score uh, this morning. John Heyman, no David Sampson. Uh, and he basically no, just said no. he went into depth about the Sox dysfunction, and he played out said Ozzy should not be the manager anymore, and he said that Ozzy damn well knows why. Oh, and maybe that'll shut him up. David Sampson, former GM of the Marlins. Well, I was I was literally about to ask. I think I know the answer, but who is the one guy that you? would be just what the fuck if they hired as manager. Yep. Um, I think it's Ozzy. Yeah, but Sam's got receipts. Sam's got receipts. That's the thing. Yeah, Sam, I, I just, I just, like I said on, uh, I think that's Sean, been a known Sean thing. Because show of Sean in my in the morning, he asked me, he's like, what do you think about Ozzy? I don't think anything because I just don't think it ever happened. That, that's a known thing though because I think terrible decision, uh, White Sox beat reporters, they've like said it in the past, like I think Joe Kelly said it a lot, like as long as Jerry Reinsdorf is the owner and Kenny Williams is still in the front office, Ozzy is never going to be the manager. I guess. It's, just, it's not going to happen. I don't want to spend time talking about something that I really just don't think will ever happen. And again, just like, you know, we've said it with players, like, oh, why hasn't this player been signed? Like, there has to be a reason, right? Like, why hasn't Ozzy been interviewed by, like, anyone in the past decade? By any of the yeah, other... Yeah, by Padres. anyone. Didn't he go on with the Padres? Did he? Oh, yeah, he yeah. got an interview. He got an interview with the Padres. He didn't, okay. get, didn't get the gig. Got the interview, though. But yeah, <laughs> he hasn't been close to being hired by anyone. I, hey, you know what? I think he's good with this TV gig. I like him on the pre and post game show. He's got a good thing. Yeah, going. I like that. If too. it's not broke, don't fix. I like I, that too. I'm, I agree. So, um, Call to the Pen uh, did a story about eight months ago. Uh, Noah Yingling, I believe his name is. Um, oh, yeah. He did the top 100 coaches most likely to become Major League Baseball managers. Um, so he went by divisions, actually, which is pretty cool. So he had like Tim Costins, who's the field coordinator and catching coach for the Orioles. Um, he's been Brandon Hyde's bench coach, so he's been obviously he's been helping out uh, in a in a kind of a, a new emerging franchise right now and showing some 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 heat a little bit. Uh, Freddie Gonzalez, who's the bench coach for the Orioles, um, I I think that for a while. Tony Mancellino, who's thirty nine, um, he's been a minor league coach for the Indians organization since two thousand eleven through twenty twenty. Um, he sick. he was a head coach. It looks like a, a single A, high A, double A, and then triple A in twenty nineteen. So he's kind of gone up and up and up. Who's always uh, had a good farm system? Who's always yeah guardians mm-hmm. who's always had stud pitchers come up like look at their team this year that got them to the playoffs it's all homegrown young dudes will venable um he was actually the cubs first base coach in 2018 third base coach in 2020 been with the red sox in 20 since 2021 ramon vasquez who's been the first base coach but these are some interesting names that like i've never even thought of but some of these names, like they're like, there's like, no, you're not going to hire a third base coach that has like no managerial experience. So that's, right. Some of these are out the door, but um, Matt Quattraro, um, who's supposed to be getting a lot of interviews um, or had some, a lot of interviews this past off season, Mets, A's. Um, he's 48 years old. He's the bench coach for the Tampa Bay Rays under Kevin Cash. Um, he's been with Tampa Bay twice. Um, he was a minor league player for them from 96 to 22. Uh, and then he started coaching with them from two from 03 to 13. And then 
went to Cleveland as their assistant hitting coach at the major league level and, uh, for a couple of years and then came back uh, a couple of years later. So like this inter- that's an interesting one. Uh, we should address this too, though. I just – kind of like Willie Harris, if they were going to do A.J. Przezinski, they would have did it two years ago. Just not now. Just yeah. not now. Like Not you, have ever. A team that, you have a team that the expectation is to win. And like I think win now. Show up prepared for a broadcast, let alone prepared for a managerial game. Like win I big. No, I, I, by no means am I advocating for him to be the manager now, but I don't think AJ would make a bad manager. Just like Zoe said, I think it was last week, you like they used their like oopsie. Like they get no more like experimental <laughs> managers. You got to find like, you got to find the guy this time. That has some kind of experience, bench coach, anything. Just mm-hmm. you yeah. can't take a guy who's never done it out of the TV booth and be like, "All right, here's the keys." This is not the time to cut someone's teeth. is not green. Because like even when David Ross was hired, like he didn't have like like he wasn't a bench coach or anything, but like he was like doing stuff every or like for the previous two years with the Cubs, where he was like the assistant to whatever, whatever, and like he was doing everyday work in, in, during spring training. Throughout the year, he was doing the scouting reports. There's a lot of pressure with that gig, too. Yeah. Not like he was expected to win right away when he got handed the keys. That's true. No, that's the other factor. It's like, yeah, no, like if you need a guy who has some experience, like, because you are in a position where you have to win, or like, I mean, the GM isn't getting fired anytime soon. So you're going to be on the hot seat immediately. Right. Mm -hmm. And you're following up a toxic, toxic situation. There needs to be. It needs to be someone with experience because they have to handle fixing the boat that's broken, basically, so it doesn't sink again when you put it back in the water. And mm-hmm. a lot of holes, and there's a lot of hurt feelings, and there's a lot of toxicity, and a lot of disappointment, and whoever they bring in is going to have to be someone that can verbalize to the White Sox fans exactly what the plan is. And, Ray, that is absolutely the single worst idea in all of baseball you might as well interview the dead corpse of edgar Allan poe that would be a better choice than joe girardi's dumbass yeah so i don't understand people's like and i'm not saying this is you ray i'm i know you're just asking a question Mm -hmm. just kind of getting the fire here uh people's thing joe girardi absolutely sucked as the phillies manager this year they like He's that always sucked as a manager, other insane, than the year that they hit yeah. 90 as a team and hit like 400 homers as a squad. He won with all out to. The the White Sox don't have A Rod, Derek Jeter, Mariano Rivera. Like, they don't have that team that he took the Yankees to the World the, Series with. The other thing with Joe Girardi is that uh, I think he literally won manager of the year when he was uh, with the Marlins. And like the team, like they had no talent. I think they barely finished like. Uh, it's not like they were even a playoff team. I think they just finished with like 82 wins or something that one year. But like he he literally, he got fired because like there was like some problem with him and like the front office. Like th- this isn't even a thing of like oh he failed with the Phillies or like what did he actually do with the Yankees? Like this guy's had like issues since he first became a manager. Yeah, I'm mm-hmm. very. Oh, wait, till, wait till the first time that he sends down Garrett Crochet because Garrett has options just to send a message to somebody else in the locker room which is what he used to do in New York. He would send players with options down to send a message to guys without options as punishment, Yeah, which I'm is a strange way to treat your arms. young prospects. I, I don't want that happening whatsoever. Um, That'd be a great question to ask friend of the show, Chase Treve, when he comes on again this offseason because he'll tell you some fun stuff. No, we yeah, he was, we he wasn't invited to the after party, I guess. We'll put it that way. But I still want to beat the drum, though. I want them to make this move 
if they can't do it before the end of the World Series, fine. But like as soon as that last out of the World Series happens, I want this done. Like, do you guys trust the process be. of how? Like, do you think it's going to be a collective talk no. or it's a whoever talks the loudest is going to win out? Like, what? I know. I and it, it just it, I hate the visualization of Kenny, Rick, Jerry, and you know, some of the other, like, all, like, pleading their case for their guy, and they're just not being any comment. You know what I mean? Like, it's, it's not, it like, It has to be uh, so frustrating, because, again, like, the, the whole thing, like, the, with Rick Hahn being, like, the front guy to the media, but then you have Kenny Williams in the background, too, who's technically his boss, and then you still have Jerry Reinsdorf, who will randomly stick his nose into it <laughs> to hire his guy if he wants. Like, there's never, like, a clear, like, no, uh, I'm leading this... this I am leading this search. So it's just kind of like, it's all messy. It's, it's, it's their, it's their communication. Their communication sucks. Just like, I mean, they've had issues with this. Again, we talked about like the mom and pop organization and the optics and their PR department kind of being shitty because they can't even spell their own players' names right on the scoreboard. But you also got to take into consideration what White Sox fans are looking for. White Sox fans, based on our experience, at least my experience observing White Sox fans over the last couple of years, especially with Tony La Russa, White Sox fans want somebody that's going to run around, jump up and down, do some jumping jacks, scream and yell, and be demonstrative and go through some of these performance kind of performative acts to show that they care. They want to see someone showing like showing showing some. They like they they're, they're passionate. They want to see the passion, right? They want to see someone that's you know that's that's you know again high fives and then all oh, the crowd are dancing in the locker room, club dub, and like they want to see that kind of stuff with a manager. Um, so you're going to have to think about that kind of taste because you bring in someone that's quiet and calm and collective and cool as ice under pressure. That's not going to really flow with a lot of White Sox fans because that guy's not going to go out there and, you know, do a cheerleading routine for you. He's going to sit in the dugout and he's going to do his job. So you really got to take into consideration. Can you get someone that's demonstrative, performative, but at the same time is not doing it and overshadowing like, like a hobby bias where, where the, where the hijinks overshadow the actual poor performance because people might actually say, Oh, he's doing a fine job, but they might not be doing a fine job, but they think he's doing great because of all the passion around. It kind of masks a lot of, of the failure. So you want someone that can do that when it needs to be done, but at the same time can also communicate the plan. And I think that's probably the biggest problem. The white Sox fans have had it too, is there's been poor communication with the plan. No one's buying the one, two count intentional walk stuff. That stuff's just, you know, it doesn't fly with, you know, they don't need someone that's trying to go outside of the box. They need someone that's going to play one, two, three paint by numbers, baseball with a franchise and a roster that can do it without having to be cute and, you know, run out there and try and over manage or out, you know, try to you know, get smart, be too smart for yourself. So I think that's a big part of it. Yeah. The communication breakdowns horrible. No, that was a anyway, reference. Said- yeah, I mean, no, I I agree, but as, at the end of the day, as long as they're winning, that's who I'll get behind. It's manager. They're playing hard for them and they're winning games. That's all I want. By the way, Yump, Yumper brought up Freddie Gonzalez again. I've been saying this for weeks. I think that makes so much sense. I'm surprised we haven't heard his name in an interview. I mean, bench coach with the Orioles, who are kind of like where we want, like where the Sox were a couple years ago. Young, hungry team that overachieved. He has experience as a manager before, which, by the way, he had a winning record there. Uh, bilingual as well. I mean, I don't know what's not to like about Freddie Gonzalez. So, like, why is he not being brought up? I, I'm surprised we haven't heard his name brought up at all. Like, any of these managerial jobs from what I've heard. What about DeMarlo Hale? I don't know. Bench Cleveland. He's friend. He's been. He's been. Uh, he's been the longtime bench coach for Francona and Brad Mills. I'm. All, I'm all years then. Unfortunately, to eleven. Unfortunately, I think we already know the list. 
You don't think there's more to it? I, I don't know. I'm Bucky Dent's baseball school. I love it. <laughs> I was, there... I was, I was, I was going to say. Remember, remember the last time this happened with uh, Jerry's other team uh, this past decade? Because uh, remember they the, the front office, but this happened. It was the universe. It was the front office who basically pushed out Thibodeau, and then they went to go get their guy Fred Hoiberg, and that blew up in their face. So what did happen after that? They the front office stayed there. They didn't get fired. They didn't get replaced, and then. They were the ones who were in charge of the new coaching hire, and that was, I think, we saw his name earlier. It was Jim Boylan. Like the White Sox could very much be on that same path. Like, well, yeah, Jerry Reinsdorf wanted his guy. It blew up in their face, but you still have all the same people there picking out the next guy. And the next guy, it could get worse. As hey, the White Sox are still winning. They still won the division in 2021, and then just massively disappointed in 2022. So. Wait, it could get worse. I'm very it doesn't automatically mean better. So the Braves Phillies are in, I believe, the eighth inning. Why is Thor pitching for the Phillies? Is this like the new big thing in the playoffs this year? It's just go early. We're just throwing starters. Yeah, with the Mariners. Uh, I knew that was it. I felt so bad for the Mariners. Bye. I saw the question for it, I guess. More so, Zoe, since uh, you, you know, fellow White Sox fan here. If you were a White Sox fan, would you, or I guess now you're rooting for the Mariners, would you rather have your team losing heartbreaking fashion to the Astros like it happened yesterday, or the White Sox last year where you're just getting steamrolled and you know the game's over by the third inning? Heartbreaking fashion. Take the heartbreak? Yeah, because. No, was, are you? <laughs> bro, it no. was. No, I want to sulk for like hours, knowing that like it just—I just want to bitch. But that's what it was like. I don't know. Like when the Sox were down like twelve nothing after the third to the Astros. It's just not. It's. It's like I'd rather have. But imagine if you were winning and then Liam Hendricks just gives up a walk off. Well, in that case, it wouldn't have been Liam Hendricks. It would have been like I don't know, like Giolito came in or something. That would have been like yeah, yeah, it would have been. Yeah. I mean, it would have sucked for a minute, but at least if they're getting fucking boat raced, you have to sit through that for like two, three hours and just like, constantly just like get madder. I mean, Kevin, Kevin, what was, what was worse, uh, 2003 NLCS or 2015 NLCS for the Cubs? Well, oh three. Exactly. Why? Because it was the heartbreak. Yeah, I don't want the heartbreak. Damn. I don't want. I don't want to feel like absolute dog shit right at the end. I think you feel like dog shit either way, but like. But if you feel like dog shit at the end, you feel like dog shit for the next like four months. Yes. Because like you're like, wait, we were that close. Yeah, that hurts. I mean, I still have the VHS from the 03 game six in, in my, my closet. <laughs> I have the VHS. I can't bring myself to burn that thing because it's or like. Just, what, or do you just want to lose? Like, you know what? I'm going to take option number three. Just You just got beat by their team. You lose five to three like the Padres did game one. That's so, fine. Yeah, they're I'll just better. That. I'll take that all day. Yeah. Like if 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 they're gonna lose, that's how I want it to go. Down. Hey, they were just better. Like you know, I didn't really think we were in it, but uh, you know, we 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 covered the spread there at the end. So props and, to us. And like, yeah, I mean, oh, I guess Jim told me he has been mentioned. Has he? Okay. I'm seeing a couple other. There's Schilt. Schilt just popped up on my little thing. Matt Williams just popped up again. <laughs> Bochi's there. He is. Hensley Mullins. Who the how about Alyssa Na- Get really crazy. Alyssa Nakin, the first and only female coach to ever be on a major league coaching staff. Go for it, Jerry. Yankees, right? Go for it, Jerry. Uh, Giants. Giants. Uh, Giants. Oh, Giants. No, I think I was thinking the, in the minor leagues, have a, the Yankees have a minor league coordinator. Why not? Pull it. Go for it. Change the game. <laughs> Hashtag change the game. Yeah, it would Break fit. Glass ceiling, Jerry. Let's go. 
It would fit. I'm sure that would go over really well. Oh, yeah. Nobody would be <laughs> fine with it. Be like, cheers. Love I mean, it. hey, a t- one team is going to be the first. Again, it's about people skills. It. She can come it, out and start the season like 30 and 0, and people would still be second guessing this shit. <laughs> yeah, they would. <laughs> Which is ironic, again, because people think that managers make that many decisions, when in the end, we know now that's the analytics department making most of these big decisions. So, right. Um, Sandy Elmar. What about college coaches? Are there any college coaches? I know that what's his name at Arizona State got a little heat. Uh, yeah, I we're looking name. for work. Why don't we just interview him too? <laughs> <laughs> Switch sports. Yeah. <laughs> Sandy Elmar is a name that I feel like. Ken Elmar had like. A, Sandy Elmar had like a lot of steam early, and then like I haven't heard his name since. Yeah, that's a, that's another White Sox connection there. I know. I'm done with that shit. It's, it's unfortunate that they had to hire Tony Larusa because now anyone who's ever played talked about the White Sox is like an automatic, Ugh. right? Which sucks for them because they could be good candidates, but um, yeah, like three years ago, they'd be like, "Hey, I got a connection with the White Sox. It's a lock now. If I get a yeah. good chance, and now all of a sudden it's like shit." Like Zoe, you said it earlier. Like back in, after 2020 in that offseason if Willie Harris like interviewed like Sox fans would be like fuck yeah like get Willie Harris yes yes but now it's like uh another Sox guy yeah another Sox guy that's getting openly endorsed by Marcus Stroman Ugh. why is that a bad thing cuz I don't like clubs and I don't like I'm not I'll take Marcus Stroman on the team but I won't like like the guy Marcus Stroman's a great guy is he what he about he wanted to go to San Francisco right after he, 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 did, he did have he did have that tweet. I, I do remember now. Yeah, or he he liked a tweet. I mean, what well, it is, what it is. But I guess although you did bring it up earlier, and we haven't talked about it yet, guys. I don't think Jose Abreu is coming back <sighs> again from <laughs> from Jerry's uh, guy Bob. When Bob Nightingale says something about the White Sox. Yeah. You gotta believe it. Hopefully, something like random changes or you know, like something. I think. I mean, Jose Abreu knew it. The way he was talking at the end of the season, he totally he knew it. It said they didn't even get a, to give him a good send off either. That's what really pisses me off. If it yeah, is, that was so weird. I don't yeah. get. And like it was like him because he was like, I right, right. I want to watch the game from the dugout. Take it all in. I don't want a last curtain call or a standing ovation for an at bat. I just want to be in the dugout thinking hey, about guy, leaving. Play every day. All of a sudden, he wants to like take it all in from the dugout. Yeah, it's like what? All signs are pointing to. Was people. that just like a middle finger to like? I don't even know what that. That was weird. Yeah, yeah. I just don't like any. It just it sucks, man. I, I, I mean, mean I've. I've literally watched his entire career. Like, do you know a tweet that I saw to get that out has of Cuba? Be... Like everything is just like. Do you know what's even more infuriating? If I think if uh, this guy finishes out his contract, Larry Garcia will be a White Sox longer than Jose Abreu. Yeah, isn't he already the longest tenured White? Sox? I think he might be. Yeah. So. Yeah, he is. He's been there since 2013. The thing. Okay. So there obviously, there's a million reasons why this sucks. Okay, but. I think also the way that it's been handled, as you guys just mentioned, is going to put a lot of unfair pressure on Andrew Vaughn. And 
I think Andrew Vaughn is a very, very good baseball player. And I think he's going to show that to us in a, in a more consistent manner. But I just, I'm fearful that game one of 162 next year, Andrew Vaughn's the starting first baseman. He goes one for four, oh for four, and all of a sudden the sky's falling right away. But like, wasn't the point of drafting him? Like, he, I mean, eventually he was going to take over for a break. Right. Yeah, like this was the point. Ray was slowing down in production or whatever, and like Vaughn got like groomed into the spot. This is more like, ah, we got too many first basemen. Uh, yeah, it's all yours, Andrew. Bad roster construction. Yep. But, and uh, well, this goes to what I've said at the beginning of the show. Apparently, yeah. only Cease and who was the other name, Mitch? Vaughn. Cease and Vaughn are the only two that are untouchable, but I don't see him change trading. Robert, 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 Robert. He's going to be Robert over there to, to um, San Francisco. I don't see that happening. I see. Robert. Yeah. Um, what do you, guys, I mean, I'll, be, I'll be right back, right back, right back. With with this too, and while you're stepping away, I'll really, I'll, I'll spare you the pain. Oh, that bastard. Of this discussion. Um, but. <laughs> You know, although and I've talked about it, and the minute that Bob Nightingale said the White Sox didn't plan on bringing back or whatever uh, Abreu, immediately I got multiple texts. One of which was friend of the show Justin Roman. One was my dad, <laughs> and then one was my cousin, who's a Sox fan actually. And all three, their first response was, "Are the Cubs going to go after Abreu for like a short-term two-year deal?" And if they, that's not out of the question with that. We talked about it before. A, a two-year deal, first year regular. Front loaded because he's in his prime. He's in his spot to really produce. Second year team option. If it's working out great, if not, they can let him move back, and that would also allow him to possibly, you know, show that he's worth more than he is again. Because he's like the ageless wonder. Like every time you doubt him, he just comes back and does it again and again and again. He's like, it's like it's like a sunrise you think is never going to come, and then there it is every morning. Um, But Mitch, what would hurt more? I mean, I I I don't think we've had this conversation of like your your like you know outward feelings towards Cubs. Or the Cubs or Cubs fans, whatever. But what would hurt more? See him on the Cubs or somewhere in the division? Oof. You hey, see Whole Foods on, on occasion. You'd see him at the Whole Foods. Probably just like the, the Tigers. Petty, the pettiness in me would probably be the Cubs. Oh. I think that would hurt more. Mm-hmm. Seeing to make those disgusting folks in the north side happy with all the home runs he gets. And that ugly blue uniform. And we know we know how much he loves to that really either. Like that's the thing. Wherever he goes, I'm gonna root for him. Like I Yeah. <laughs> but, and, and honestly, anywhere anywhere that he goes that could hurt the White Sox in the postseason or their chances of winning a World Series would hurt. Equally bad, I think, uh, no matter where he went. Because if, if oh, he's the guy that almost he's in the division and he's like raking for the Indians and like guard guardians, you know, and like it would just be like, and, and don't get me wrong, I would be like, I wouldn't want that, but be like, yeah, you know, they should have kept him, like I've been saying. But like, what but if you have like, 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 like at that point, you can still be like really mad at like the like at Rickon or like yeah, the White Sox I mean, in general. Yeah, no, yeah, like by the way, I am fully aware the Astros, like that would hurt. Because he would be I, like the guy that hits a game-winning double or he's something. He's like away though. He's yeah, away. he's out of sight, out of mind until he kicks our ass in the playoffs. If it we even get there. dreams end your season, uh, I gotta hear about him. Like every day, I turn on the radio, I see the paper. Mm-hmm. Like Jose wins another one. 
Jose Abreu on fire leading the Cubs. That makes a lot of sense though for the Cubs. If I'm the Cubs, I would absolutely do that. You're going out to spend money, and because it wouldn't be that expensive, relatively speaking, for a, a very good player. Like, and it's a, it's an optic shot across the bow to re reestablish a rivalry that's kind of gone cold for the last couple of years with the Cubs being shitty. By the way, I am fully aware that I, us bringing up Jose Abreu to the Cubs that is a legitimate thing because like the Cubs need a DH first base mm-hmm. right handed hitter. It makes too much sense. Yeah, it's it makes sense. a lot of I mean, sense. And yes, there is a slight troll factor. Just you know, rile up White Sox fans. And I am fully aware that this is going to come around full circle, and that Wilson Contreras is going to sign with the Cardinals <laughs> and kill the Cubs for the next five years. I'm fully aware of that, but sure. I have to enjoy upgrade. whatever. Pray you. From well, if that's what you're losing and that's what you're gaining, you're getting an upgrade with Jose Bray. Jose Bray okay. also, it's very well in Wrigley Field, historically dominated <laughs> those crosstown classics. <laughs> I am ready for Jose Bray to slug 600 for you know 80 games at Wrigley. Uh, his power numbers come back, he has like right. Oh, all the White Sox fans complain that oh, this guy just hits singles now and then he just has like a, a 37 home run season. God. <laughs> Oh, do it, do it, Jason. Could you imagine Bleachers like, making the cup snake? And I would be like, "Good for you, Jose." That you can't root against the guys. Well, the beauty of Jose, though, is he could actually hit a ball through the cup snake and destroy it. Yeah, see, there you go, there you go. <laughs> and like the, the other thing, through the second row. The other thing with Abreu is like, you know, Kevin, we talked about the Jed Hoyer's press conference and whatever any of it means, probably nothing. But he used the word, you know, or he used the phrase "intelligent spending" again. Oh, and God. it was like, well, short-term deal, front-loaded. That's intelligent spending. That's, that like, is. It fits right in. It fits right in. I mean, the fact that it's it's leaking out, too, that he has no intent on going anywhere beyond five years for any deal uh, poses an a interesting question for another day with this offseason for the Cubs as well. But, yeah, I mean, you front-load it. You get a team option. You can part ways at the end of the season. If they, Maybe even do a mutual option. Like, hell, let, let both, both you know, parties it has to be, mutually it has decide to be if it's come back. It has to be like a two-year deal, and the second year has to be a mutual option. Like you have to yeah. give the players some. Uh, yeah. Some good... So I Not asked for... Mitch this, uh, and he made a good point because like you have to hear it every day when you're in Chicago. Uh, just you know, sports talk radio, the newspaper, everything you see. What would hurt more for you, Abreu signing within the Sox division or going to the Cubs? Division. Okay. 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 That's honest though, because you know what you see him more, and it would hurt more. There's more of a reminder. If you see him on the other side, it would just be me and Aldo showing him to you. I've said it a billion times, and I'll say it a million more. The Cubs are not rivals to the White Sox. Not yet. Not until the next uh, division uh, reformat. Right. Once Vegas gets a team. Right. Hell yeah. That's Uh, where Brady is going. To the Las Vegas Rat Pack. So I will like, and like you already know it's coming, but I, I might honestly cry once it's official. I was going through his career, like just like all the moments he had in, in Chicago. We couldn't put a winning team, like seven damn playoff games was all we were able to give him. But like all this, all the moments he gave, like his first, his first pitch he ever saw as a White Sox, he had a double. And he didn't stop hitting soon. That's Jose. Abre- that is Jose Abreu to Just yep. I mean, I think. Kids. Favorite Jose Abreu moment, Jose Abreu bobblehead day. It was Dylan Cease's debut, and then it was like a doubleheader, and he hit the walk-off the second game of that doubleheader. That's probably the best day of baseball I think I ever witnessed in person. I don't even that Cub uniform. Jose Jose Abreu's been so clutch and so consistent for this team year after year after year. I'd have to, like, really, like, sit down and, like, think about my favorite. I can't just go off the top of my head. Yeah, I mean, even this year, the, the must-win game against the Guardians, who had the clutch hit to even extend that 
right. star closer, Emmanuel Classe, yeah. Jose Abreu. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And, 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 and Aldo and I will be able to kind of guide you through these moments of, of, of sadness and, and of coping. If we had to do it with three or four of them in the same season, not just one. Well, Schwarber's old for the playoffs this year. Yeah, that's fine. Didn't uh, he was here last year in the or two, who was he with? Was it with the Red Sox when he, he, yeah, run, he didn't do anything in the playoffs? The guys then, like that though, the, those three outcome guys always seem to have issues in the postseason because you're facing just better pitching. I mean, and better pitching exploits the three outcome. It just it does. And that's when that again, that's when analytics goes out the window because now the playoffs, the analytics are great over an extended period of 162 games with shit birds rolled in there. Half those games are against shitty teams. And analytics can be fudged. When you get to the postseason, you throw all that stuff out. You have a guide. You know who your dudes are, and you go with those. And that's where that's what I love about the postseason is analytics are actually harmful most of the time when it comes to the postseason baseball. Just you, I mean, look at it. The, the most some of these analytic teams they get there. It's great. Congratulations, Billy Bean. You guys got there, and now you're done because teams that actually are. Go not being complete. I mean, analytics are important regardless, but they're not slaves to it. Once they, they have like two different, there's regular season and then there's postseason, and everything changes in the postseason with how they handle people. Look at look at the postseason now, how they're handling their pitchers. That's is that analytics or is that someone going? You know what? I'd rather get rid of the stressful innings, lock the door, and shut it down now with some guy that will bridge the gap and get us keep this lead now, as opposed to simply saying, "Hey, this guy's supposed to throw today, but he needs four days rest." Here. At that this is point, analytics. It's manalytics, baby. Wait, wait, wait. Kevin, what you, described, what you just described is analytics. No, no, no I'm, not, well, I'm, not, I'm not done describing. Your closer and putting him in the seventh inning because you're in a tighter game at that point to extend that's, the, to but, shut them down. That is, that's not that's traditional not baseball. That's uh, well, <laughs> that is not. Come on, Kevin. That is not. Whoa, 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 whoa. You actually just said Andrew Miller. Closers and setup men aren't actually. Original baseball intent. That is yeah. not how the game was played up until the the nineties. So it is um, start that. Um, yeah, like closers and relievers was not a thing. Dude, dude, got Nolan Ryan threw fucking two hundred pitches. I mean, yeah. come on. But, but when you have these guys, you go after your outs. But look, when you look at the lineup, that you say, hey, it's the seventh inning. We have a lead, and it's their three best dudes coming up to the plate, and it's. It, I'm going after those guys with my best guy, and I'll let my lesser guys take on their lesser guys. I like that better. That's not right. analytics. That's just playing matchups, period. Well, no, but uh, what I'm telling you, Kevin, is uh, you, you know damn well that that wasn't happening until like the last six, seven years because well, the, closer, the closers were being saved for safe situations. I, I, well, like, I'm not that, saying that's that. That's just like, how it was. That's I'm actually not more you, like, you're right. Like, that is I'm the right you, thing to do. It's more like high school baseball. They're actually doing it like high school baseball playoffs, which is like you just throw out your best dude to get their best dudes out and then worry about the rest after. After I mean, that's you literally will bring in your best dudes because you're like, okay, there are like four dudes in their lineup that can really rake. And then there's like seven, eight, nine, and you're kind of like, <laughs> come on, bring it out. I mean, it's not a well balanced team. No, I am, I'm 100% agree. I, I love that saying, strategy. And it, that's I mean, not, it, that's not what used to happen in the playoffs until like 2015, 2016. Like Andrew Miller was coming, he was the big closer, and you get those well, guys. Like he was the he was a quote unquote close. He was the stopper, and he was coming mm-hmm. in like the sixth, seventh inning. Mm-hmm. Um, it's, it's smart baseball. I mean, you get the bigger outs, and you you worry about the the lesser dudes later. I mean, it's good, but I don't know. I just you see these guys, you, you see how much the postseason is. It is more passion. It's more energy, and but you're seeing the best pitchers, guys that have done it all year, and that what it, guys like Schwarber. Guys, again, that's what I think hurt the Cubs a little bit too because I think the Cubs, especially as good as they were, they got to feast on some pretty bad competition. Same with the White Sox last year. 
uh, or in the last couple of years, they've been in a division that's pretty been pretty bad. And so you can eat, you can feast all year. And the analytics get skewed over the course of 162 because you're playing shittier teams in there. Now the analytics, you know, the, the numbers in the postseason, um, now you're facing dudes. I mean, that's the weird thing about Kershaw. Like Kershaw, what look at his numbers in the regular season and look at his postseason numbers. Like what happens there? Is it because he's getting great matchups in the regular season and he's just carving? It's not. I think he just runs out of gas. Let's be honest. That's probably what's happening to him or what's happened to him. That's why in 2020 he was so good because it was a shortened season. This year, I expect him to be very good in the postseason. Simply, and I, I haven't even looked at the score yet, but I expect him to be good because he only threw 127 innings this year or whatever it was. So, you know, that's kind of the, it's just such a strange, but this is, this is what makes postseason baseball. Uh, it's an all bets are off thing. And this is where you start playing the game of chess. At least postseason baseball is actual strategy, which I love. It's, Speaking it's, it's about older pitchers, uh, this is like a general question for everybody. Uh, after seeing Scherzer kind of run out of gas at the end there, and then Verlander getting touched up real hard against the Mariners mm-hmm. in game one of that series, and like those guys are going to be, or not Scherzer, but Verlander is going to be a free agent. He'll opt out, try to get a bigger bag. Uh, I think Kershaw can opt out too. Yep. Uh, would you trust giving those older pitchers like huge money now? No. Oh, God, Kershaw got lit. <laughs> oh, yeah, playoff Kershaw was in full effect tonight. Oh, shoot. Um, Only three runs. Like, three I runs. I how much we're talking. Three runs? But he's kind of, I mean, look what he did. He's going he's gonna to win the Cy Young. So, yeah, Verlander's the best out of the bunch. Chunk of change coming his way. So, I, well, you know, I'm not breaking the bank, but I'd be willing to open up the checkbook a bit. Like, he's going to get, he's going to get like $30 million a year. Yeah. I don't think like I at do age thirty nine. I, mean, I especially... would do it, but you know, I could. <laughs> oh, good. If you're in now mode. You 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 need another guy for like two years to solidify the rotation. Then yeah, you can pull. Like I, I I was thinking it from like a Cubs perspective. Like Cubs need like an ace, and like this guy could be it. But like, it could get to like October, and you can just like run out of gas. And like Verlander hasn't been all that great in the playoff season. Verlander is the. Pitching equivalent to Jose Abreu. Every single year you expect him to finally fall off. That's true. And he does it again. You're like, God dang. <laughs> so ageless wonders. I love it. Like these are the guys they figured they they just play ball. Yeah, but then you gotta deal with his brother when once it comes to pass. <laughs> Look, I just passed and dealt with him yesterday. <laughs> uh, never mind. I'll be honest, I never had a problem with Ben, but then you see all these people like trash him on Twitter. I guess there was did you read the night? Was it the Bob Nightingale article or something? It was something where he went to like Japan or whatever. All the Japanese people love uh, Ben Verlander. There's some article he was getting trashed over, and I, I didn't read it, but so a lot of people were watching that. that. <laughs> no idea what you're talking about. Other question for all three of you guys. I'll find this. Do you view the besides? Uh, Dan's response, and I think Yumper said it in the comments. I told Zoe, I want the Cubs no part of Dansby Swanson. Uh, I'm sorry. Cool. Like, re-sign with Atlanta. Cool. Um, do you view Correa, Turner, and Bogarts as, like, 1A, 1B, 1C guys? Or do you have a clear distinction? This guy is in this tier. This guy's the next guy. and Or do you I view them all equally? For the, are we talking specifically for the Cubs or just in general? Uh, for both, I guess. I mean, for like any team trying to like for the Cubs, or, or, I think, let's do it from a Cubs perspective. Yeah, like for, for the, the Cubs, Cubs, I think Trey Turner's the goal just because of the uh, flexibility at position. Okay. Um, I I feel like Correa, especially 
that interview he did where he's like, when I want something from the Dior store, I just go in and buy it. That I don't know, he's such a dude. He's a he's a cocky motherfucker. He is. He if if, <laughs> if I didn't want him on my team, I'd hate him. He drinks yeah. his tea with his pinky out. Let's let's be he honest. He is a cocky motherfucker. Oh, but Trey Turner, it's like uh, Trey Turner is just so sweet, crazy consistent. Shows up in October, like uh, he doesn't. He he has this year. I thought he was. I thought he was good no, last year. No, Trey Turner bad before. I thought he was good last year. Bad before. Bad. Wasn't he good let's during look, the World Series run? There you go. The uh, postseason batting average. He's got a career. 234 postseason average. Not great. Um, he's got a 594 OPS in the postseason. That's not good. Not great. No. I thought use your speed if that. you're not on base. Yeah, I thought that was better. I thought he was better than that. Um, no. He, and Correa, he had, that's the other part. Correa has notoriously just been clutch always. His best series was World Series or the NLDS 2016 when the uh, Dodgers lost to the Cubs. Yeah. In that series, I think he went seven for 24. There you go. But that was it. That's the best he's done in any series, other than a two, a four at bats in the World Series. Yeah, I mean, I'm basically when it comes to this, I'm I'm with Brian here. I think it's Trey Turner and then Correa and Xander are tied. Like, okay. The biggest thing for me, one is Trey Turner's speed. Can't yes. teach speed, kids. True. Two, his position flexibility. You can play him in the outfield, second base, shortstop. You know, whatever you need to do with him, and. You know, without going down a different fucking rabbit hole, Cubs got a pretty damn good shortstop. Some might say the best. Some might say he's one of the top two <laughs> shortstops in Chicago. So, I I swear to God, I'll just end this show now. I'm not that I will 100%. Pull up the numbers. Pull up the numbers, Kevin. Um, 4.5 war. 4.5 war. Let's go. Right, Trey Turner's position flexibility. I think – I don't think Xander Bogarts is leaving Boston. And he's, right, he's got a QO. He's got a QO attached, doesn't he? So that's another another thing that's going to be. But that's the and thing. If the, I mean, I just think Correa is just a massive douche canoe. So I know, and Correa is asking for like he's probably going to ask for seven years, right? Or seven or eight? Because he was asking for nine last year. He's opting out. This is what I look at a, a Carlos Correa. Now, this is where this is my idea. This is again, this is completely off the cuff. But my belief is that if the Cubs go out there again, and, because I do think that you lose, you lose if Nico is not at shortstop, and 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 any either either three of those guys are at shortstop. The the analytics show that Nico's defensively been better, but for one year, yeah. But you well, I mean, but yeah, and you pay. But, Korea, I mean, but here's the thing: up this until is this, 2020 was yeah. the best defensive <laughs> shortstop. Let me finish the thought though. So you pay him a little bit extra. Because he's such a good defender on the left side of the infield at this point in his career, you can throw him at third base if you pay him a convenience fee. He plays third base for two, maybe three years. Then you shift him across the diamond. He can play first base. He's, a, he's got great hands. He'll be an easy first base transition. And as his body starts fading, you turn him in, into a, 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 into a, what's his name? In, like in Detroit, um, uh, Miggy. And, and, and you, you throw him over at first, or you throw him as a DH the last two years of his contract as he's, you know, he's probably going to gain weight. But those kind of guys, those guys will rake till the end. They will rake till the end, even if they're not playing defense. And so you can make that contract. You pay him a lot more up front. Again, front load all these contracts, back load it. It's, you know, again, he, he wants out, make it a tradable contract towards the end if he starts putting out. Pay him for the value that he has up front. And that's the problem with most of these teams are trying to play these numbers games. Just give these dudes the money when they're going to perform. 
and let the back end of it be the value of the back end. Pay those guys, drop that salary towards the end, up that salary at the beginning, and and, and go out and win with these guys. And that's what I think. He's going to be a guy that's going to play third or left side for a couple more seasons only, and then he's going to switch to the right side over at first base, and then he's going to end up being a DH. Like That's where he's headed. Well, and I think that's you why you're back. Like, as far as going out and winning with, winning with them, I think that's why you're backloading the contract is so you can supplement them with mm-hmm. more supporting pieces. Because, like, you're fine with having the bad – like, the Angels wouldn't have had as much of a problem with the Albert Pujols contract had they have won what they were supposed to when they first signed them. And then you can live with, like, we're paying them all this money because we got what we want out of them. And that obviously didn't work out. But, like, that's why I'm fine with, like, backloading it and paying it cheap up front because especially, like, if you're in the White Sox situation, you're trying to win now. Mm-hmm. You, you kind of want to supplement the roster with other things. So it's just, I mean, Correa's only 28. Give me Carlos correct. <laughs> like, I know you said that like, he can only maybe play the left side for a couple of years. It's not like he's 30, 31, 32. Old he's Trey only Turner. That's what I'm saying. Trey well, he will be in two or three years. Like, that's the, <laughs> uh, like 30, I think, or 29. He looks like he's a year or two older than Correa. Yeah. No. I just, I, I think that Turner's fine. I mean, that's a win win. Let's be honest. It's any one of those guys is a win. Yes, um, oh, that's the point. Xander Bogarts, oh shot. But really, really, the real truth lies. I'll in, have that if it's if it's if it's Swanson. I'm like, Ugh. if there's even a wrinkle of a chance that the Cubs could actually make a deal with the 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 large prospect pool they now finally have and get Shohei, that's the move of the offseason for the Cubs. That I would, uh, they might not make another move the whole offseason, and I'll be on board again if they make that trade and they 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 lock him into a contract to keep him around, make it worth the while. That would tell me the Cubs are ready to go. At least I'm good with that because a team with Shohei, Stroman, um, you know, with 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 uh, full season from um, Saya, and then these guys kind of come. That that to me is setting yourself up for a pretty good stretch of four or five years with with those guys. And so that would that would be a huge. I, I know it's kind of seems like a pipe dream, but stranger things have happened, man. And that's that's the move to me that would mean everything. I just I I, I still don't. I will buy it if the Cubs moving when they actually make a move. I again, I read Tom Ricketts' email about a thousand freaking times today, and I, again, I want to puke every time because he he just keeps stressing every time that he like emphasizes how we need to win with minor league prospects and how we need to win with the health. I want to throw up because I know what he's alluding to. Every time that Jed says intelligent spending, I know what they're alluding to. Um, and then again, with the stuff coming out that Jed doesn't want to sign a five, you know, go beyond a five year deal with anybody. That's 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 a red flag to me, but. Actions speak louder than words. So I'm going to ignore everything. We said it in the DM. We're going to ignore everything that comes out of Jed's mouth because it's all bullshit and it's all just media talk. And then we're going to see what actions he makes. And when the the first pitch is thrown in spring training, we can make our decision then. We can judge then. But we can't judge it. Maybe I'm doing some like revisionist history here with like Theo Epstein, but I always felt like when he talked, like obviously he wasn't like, you know, detailing every step that the Cubs were going to do. But you always kind of felt like you kind of knew the, the plan of the off season or like uh-huh. the, you know, couple year plan. Like with Jed, ever since he took over, it's just like, I, I think, I mean, Sox fans have said it like with Han, it's just like a lot of lawyer talk. Uh-huh. It's kind of like, all- none of this actually means anything. Right. Kind of like, so all these press conferences, I'm just like, okay. And you feel comforted. You felt like you're in good hands. Yeah. It, Theo was so. And this is this is almost maybe it was a bad idea. Theo was open about like even his draft strategy. Yeah, we're going with mature college bats, and we're gonna buy pitching 
this is the plan. Like we knew the plan. We knew the plan. Honestly, honestly the plan was in year two or three or whatever it was. Honestly, the biggest part was like ever since like when he took over and like the Cubs were just like had no good infrastructure for anything <laughs> developing wise. And he was like, yeah, like we're going to suck for a couple of years. Like he didn't obviously say those exact words, but like he basically said, yeah, guys, we're not going to be, our focus isn't really winning uh, at the MLB uh, level for these couple of years. And ever mm-hmm. since then, you're like, all right, he didn't lie to our face. He's kind I will of telling Jed, us what they're gonna do. I'll give Jed the benefit of the doubt, though. Theo didn't have to sell off three All Stars and another guy that's eventually going to hit forty home runs for nothing. Like he didn't have to do that, so he was able to take over a broken franchise that was, you know, who I mean, Kevin or who was their third baseman when he took over? For God's sakes, like look at uh, look at the roster first year. Some of those names are incredible. Ian Stewart. Uh, oh, <laughs> who was the one guy that played for the Sox too? Was like Ott or something. Oh yeah, Mike Old. Old. Like this is the weird part. The Cubs have gone the, the quarter the quarterback position for the Chicago Bears and the third base spot for the Chicago Cubs are basically the same thing. Decades and decades of basically nothing except for maybe two or three guys in this case. Uh see Epstein took over in October of 2011. So let's look at the 2012 of oh, was horrid. Let's look at this thing. Uh <laughs> all right. So uh <clears throat> so Catchers, you had Wellington Castillo. Stud. Sox legend. Sox legend. Um, Giovanni Soto. And that wasn't too Another bad. Sox legend. All and right. <laughs> Jeff Baker, Darwin Barney, Starlin Castro, Blake DeWitt, Brian LaHare, and then they got Rizzo in the offseason. Josh Vitters popping up. Another guy. Um, was... Marlon Bird, Tony Campana, David DeJesus, Brett Jackson, another prospect that everyone was all over that never really panned out. Okay. So let's be careful with prospecting. Uh, Joe Mather and then Alfonso Soriano in his Albatross concert, con- contract. Okay, you know, Travis Wood, Kerry Wood, Randy Wells, Chris Volstad. Uh, let's look at uh, Carlos Marmol was there. Uh, Matt Garza. Ah, yeah. <laughs> oh, man. Oh, my God. I thought he was going to uh, be so good. Oh, my God. Michael Bowden, he had two different numbers. He was 43 and then 28 when he came back. Just crazy. <laughs> Ryan Dempster. Hey, the best Harry Carey. The yeah. And then, of course, Paul Mahom. Uh, Paul. Uh, oh, uh, you were running through that roster, and this name randomly popped up to me. Hoy Hill for the Sox. Ah. It, uh, if the Sox get Josh Bell, is that a thing? Would you be? Would you guys be happy oh, about yeah. that? If they don't re-sign a brave and they get Josh Bell <laughs> to solve their their problem with too many first basemen, good yeah, guy. Why? Why add more first basemen? To he can play right field. I mean, yeah, no, I, don't want, I don't want. <laughs> First baseman in the outfield anymore. No, like, he's he's point. an outfield. He used to play outfielder with the Pirates. I'm good though. Like five years ago. Yeah, I'm good. <laughs> I'm very good. No more. Joe DHs likes his guys to stay at their spot. No first baseman. Yeah, I don't. Andrew Vaughn, <laughs> you've never played outfield a day in your life. You're gonna start playing it in the major leagues. Well, don't you want guys that have actually done it? Yeah, no pressure. Yeah. Get you know, yeah, you can play outfield, right? Sure, bud. Uh, you know, this offseason is going to be pretty crazy. I mean, White Sox have got to make moves, obviously, too. So this is just uh, – without when you, especially with Brayu, if Brayu's gone, they're going to – Have you guys Rick accepted Hall- that? Because, like, he's gone. He's not – He's not. yeah, Rick I think Hall- I'm going to do it. What are, like, the, the steps of, like, acceptance? Of or, grief? Like, grief. Ages of grief? Yeah. Oh, let's see. Um, what is it? Yeah. I'm, where I'm going to look at the chart. I'm where past anger. Oh, that's from Jesus, our Lord Shepherd uh, Church. Okay, here we go. Stages of grief. 
Uh, it's denial. Got yep. Went through that. Processing loss that brings about various emotions and can be difficult to accept. Yeah. Went through that. <laughs> Number two, then That's is right now. Yeah. Anger, which shows up in many forms like rage, outburst, zulking, extreme sadness, and isolation. That's gonna come. That's yeah, gonna come. That was kind of me like last week. I, I was that's gonna come. I, Rick Hahn talks again, and he's like, "Yeah, we're we're gonna we're gonna part uh, ways with." I feel, like, I, I feel like I've, I've gone through today. the anger already. It's tough. Okay. But we got uh, Gavin Sheets, and uh, we just picked the <laughs> phone to call uh, Josh Bell. Number three is bargaining, a way to try to postpone what's inevitable. Like, oh, no, 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 no. Raising. I think I'm there. I've got that. You are here. <laughs> Fourth one's the rough one, though. Fourth one is the heaviness. It's depression. It's a heaviness and deep sadness after experiencing a loss. That probably comes I'm after. Mix, I'm a mix of those two. I'm like a yeah. mix of those two right now. A bargaining, like, oh, maybe they have for one year 15 mil, 16 mil. I also think say. the bargaining is like, oh, this is the right This is the right move. Like, we, we have too many first basemen. This, this is the right baseball move. I've seen a lot of that. But when you get to the back end of it, you get to number five, which is acceptance. A place where people may not experience emotions, but it's a place of accepting the inevitable and that final resting place of you what, Jose Abreu signing with the Chicago Cubs. The the depression, sadness part is going to be where I'm stuck for a while until like maybe the all-star break. Like it's going to hit you when he like when he wears the uniform of like the other team for the first time, like in spring training. Yeah. Like it's going to be, everyone's going to be like, time I see him in a, the first time I see him in a Marlins jersey, I'm going to be like, this is fucking really or strange. Or he does something that's so pito. Like he does something that like you've seen him do so many times, like a, a gesture or like after a home run or like a, a jersey pull or that chain pops out. And like while he's, oh, you know, where he's like running first base. Yeah. Yeah. Or, yeah. or he does the thing where he screams rounding third base trying to, yeah. yeah. That's do you hurt. think Jose Abreu will ever say anything negative about the Sox? No. No. Okay. Okay. I don't. He he like. I know, like he, he anything negative about anyone. And but and I also know like guys say it like oh I love it here. So no like Jose Abreu like literally loves Southside Chicago. Like he actually loves this team. He actually loves like he defected from Cuba and have struggled to get here and the White Sox helped him with nice. that and then like yeah. Did we ever fear Chris Bryant to the White Sox? No. No, no one. I did. didn't. No, I mean, we we talked about it just to talk about it, but I don't think anyone yeah. ever thought it was actually going to happen. Again, it the was, White Sox' it, biggest free agent contract was C. Yasmani Grandel. Contract is Yep, four three after Trey Turner fucked up a pretty routine ground ball. <laughs> why you want Carlos Correa? No, I was kidding. <laughs> uh, oh, and now shortstop. Oh, that was a very White Sox. Oh. Myers just got thrown out at home. Oh, they, tried no. to, they tried to squeeze, and it, it was just not good. Trey Turner just bringing down his price. Jed Hoyer is going to bring up that air and be like, yeah, like second base. You're getting second base money, Trey. <laughs> <laughs> You're getting second base money now, Trey. Was this a squeeze? I just saw the end result. I didn't see how it got there. Hold on. Show me the replay. Yep. There's a – well, no, that's bad base running. He took off late. Good play by the pitcher. Nailed at home. Um, you guys talked about uh, the untouchables, like whatever that report was with Cease. Yeah. Is there any move that would surprise you, even if it happened? Or like Luis, if it happened? Luis Robert or Aloy getting moved. Okay, okay. Mm, that's, that would be a kind of a gut punch. That would that, that would surprise me a great deal. I mean, I've been saying my first two moves is I'm trading Liam Hendricks and Gavin Sheets. 
<laughs> I honestly don't think Hendricks is getting dealt. I was, it wouldn't surprise me, but and I've more conversations about that. That seems bad. Why? Then you you don't. Who's your proven closer? You got a couple guys you can throw out there. You got Crochet coming back healthy as a horse. Crochet, I mean, uh, Kendrick Raylo. Raven would be the next guy up. You don't trust him at all, though. No, Joe Ray- Kelly. I my my guy after my horse is Raylo. I think Raylo should be the closer. Mm, and it's a great lot of confidence, Raylo. Though that, that's, that's a lot of confidence. You know, Craig Kimbrell's going to be a free agent. Um. <laughs> I'm saying this right now. Aldo, yeah, tell, go with it because you said it in the chat. Let's drop the bomb. October. Future, future White Sox Cody Bellinger just made a hell of a catch. He's a cub. Uh, future White Sox. <laughs> Who's not a cub? Yeah, everyone's a cub. <laughs> everyone's a cub, Mitch. I'm positive. Yeah, I forgot how I forgot that Jed is known for his reckless spending. Yeah. So, well, that's the thing. Uh, Cody Bellinger, prove it deal. Oh, def- wherever Cody signs next year is a prove it deal. Exactly, that's what I'm saying. That one year, twenty million. But um, that's probably. I mean, that's, he's not going to get twenty million. Uh, what was I going to say? Yeah, I don't know. He's exposed in the playoffs. Some sucker might yeah. give him twenty million. I mean, what were we just what, talking about? Oh, we're talking Craig about Kimbrell. how Raylo should be the closer. Craig Kimbrell. The Cubs are going to re-sign Craig Kimbrell in the offseason. He will be good. Kimbrell all-star closer next. Summer with the Cubs. It'd be cheap. Yep. It's going to be cheap. Cubs are going to win that trade with Craig Kimbrell coming back. <laughs> you, I mean, they've done such a great job. I mean, uh, whatever you say about the Cubs, I got to actually, this is, this made me want the Dodgers to lose because my buddy's a Dodger fan. He's one of my best friends and he's just so arrogantly proud right now. And he made all these comments and I said something, I'm like, you know, I'm, you know, it's, it's great. You know, I'm, I'm really happy with uh, the way the Cubs have been developing their pitching over the last like year and a half, year, year and a half. He's like, yeah, it really worked out well for them. The Dodgers are the ones that do the development. I'm like, all right, dick. And I pulled up the numbers. In the second half of the season, the Cubs' starting rotation was better than the Dodgers, only behind the Astros, statistically, number-wise, as a staff. And the Cubs' development of pitching has been absolutely fantastic over the last year and a half. They, after they started moving away from what they had, and they brought in some of those, you know, the Cleveland people, I think they have that exclusive deal now with that, that – uh, that pitch machine thing too now, right? Something I can't remember what I was reading about it. It's like it's an exclusive yeah, like, fancy robot. Yeah. yeah, like the little fancy robot that's like uh it's I think it's the robot from Rocky Four. Um <laughs> and uh it's so they're, they're they've got all so they're doing such a great job with this. You're right. If they bring in someone like Kendrick uh Kimbrell, I mean they've brought in a lot worse than they've had success. I mean, I mean they had David brought- Robertson who was coming off injury like he pitched twelve innings in the past three years or something. And, and somehow they- find a way to fix him. Fixed him, or not even fixed him. They just whatever found some tweak, made him a good trade piece in the summer. Got a legit pitching prospect for him. Uh, Chris Martin, who is the closer for the Dodgers right now. I mean that that was another that special of a trade. But that was another guy, veteran guy. Flip. So I know we said we were going to do it tonight, but we'll do it next week. How to navigate Twitter during the off season. But for now, it is time. Oh, wow. That's For the NASCAR Minute with NASCAR Mitch. Where do I even start? I don't even know about it. Yeah, well, you know, talk about having a bad week. So I was at an elimination race. It was at the Charlotte Roval. 
the roval's kind of like the like it's like a Frankenstein of uh, race courses. The half oval, half road course. Oh, roval, mixing it up. It's, it's like a, a brook, right? It's like a brownie and a cookie, except it's NASCAR. Exactly. So my guy Daniel Suarez, he was, uh, you know, he's a couple points to the good, and he's very good in road courses. Third fastest car uh, on the field. Uh, all day. Um, and, you know, Daniel Suarez is really just the people's champion when you think about it. He's not one of these silver spoon kids uh, that got a ride because of daddy's money. <laughs> Ty Gibbs. Uh, oh. <laughs> Mr. Suarez, you know, he, he had to come from Mexico, first Mexican driver uh, to win a Cup Series race. Um, you know, his dad had to sell a shop, you know, barely knew English when he first got over. He was eating Cocoa Crisp, he said, for like a week. This is your guy, though, right? Like, it's my you, guy, yeah. Yeah, okay. I, I, I don't eat Cocoa Crisp for a week. Uh, no, like, when, for like, so like when he first moved, he was saying that like he was like in this apartment and he could barely afford like actual food and silverware. So he's just getting like these like plastic bowls and he's eating cereal for like three meals a day to like support his like racing crew. But anyway, made it to the top against all odds. Now he's in the playoffs, about to advance to the round of eight. Uh, so he qualified third. I'm only talking about him right now just because, like, the first two stages of this race sucked ass. It was so boring. No one could pass. It was just, you know. So, anyway, so he, he finishes third in the first stage, gets a bunch of stage points. He gets a bunch of stage points in stage two, finishes seventh, cycles through. So, it, he's up by 14. Looks like he's going to transfer through. We're like, all right. Things are going well. And then, of course, his steering stops working. All the fluid in the steering breaks his power steering. So, he's kind of like, it, it was looked, like, it looked brutal. Like, his arms were like, tired by the end of it because he's trying to like get this thing to go and he lost all of his pace and so the only thing that couldn't happen to him happened because like i said it was hard to pass so the only way he could lose wait wait wait, 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 wait. what was he doing with his arms so he's like trying to get the because the power steering's gone so he's kind of like like sawing okay. this, like back and forth just to try and keep it on the track like around right. the turns and like the banking no. is it up and down or sideways like which one like up or is yeah, he it, would be, it would be absolutely horrible if someone clipped that and put two gigantic hogs in your hand but go ahead <laughs> yeah. Is <laughs> so he's, he's either skiing or he's sipping? You got yep. ski, sip. So anyway, he loses all of his spots, goes to the back of the field. He ends up getting lapped. And so that's where our uh, douche canoe of the week comes in. Ooh, uh, I like your segment alert. Yeah, yeah. Well, Corey LaJoy <laughs> here. Uh, now, nah, it gets me out. It's like being betrayed by like someone that you've never met. You thought you knew him, even though you never met him before, and he just like turns out to stab you in the back. Yeah, he's a likable personality. Corey LaJoy is like, Everyone likes Corey. He's like the Cubs before they got Theo. He's like a lovable loser. He's always running in the back, but, you know, he tries his best. He's got a kickball tournament for charity. He's got a good podcast. He's a down-to-earth guy. Everyone loves Corey LaJoy. I like Corey LaJoy. Then all of a sudden, this dick who shows his true colors really this week, uh, so Suarez is like running in the back. He's trying to get past the guy who's holding up everyone because he runs 30th each week in his crap equipment, but he's always crying poor. He's like, well, you know, I don't have this the car because no good talent wants to give him a ride from the actual teams. So this he's guy. holding up uh, Suarez like the entire time. Uh, Suarez can't get past. And so then after like, his steering breaks, like later, like Suarez can't really control his car. So he like hit him. And like his spotters like told like um, LaJoy's spotter, like, hey, look, like his steering's like barely working. He doesn't have a whole lot of control of his car. Well, what is Corey LaJoy? He doesn't care. So he goes back around the track and like he's going into pit. But then he sees that Suarez is still up ahead of him. And he's like, ah, I'm going to have a fiesta here, boys. And so he speeds up and then he gets rams into Suarez, runs him off the track. And he's like, ha, take that. So after the race now, Suarez is all pissed off because he just like ran into him basically twice. Uh, effectively, even though they told him like his steering wasn't working. So it was actually kind of a comical scene. After the race, like Suarez came up to him and he's basically like, What the hell, man? And the two are like arguing. And then like, this little kid comes like running up in the middle of the argument. It's like, Oh, can you get your autograph? Does he want Corey LaJoy's autograph? No. Why would you want a perfect? 
national podcaster who cup cars on Sundays. That's basically what Corey LaJoy is at this point. Uh, he wants Suarez on our so Suarez stopped in the middle of the autograph to sign it because, you know, people's champion and then continues arguing with Corey LaJoy. So I thought that was kind of funny, but it's very disappointing because I like Corey LaJoy too. And, you know, he's, he's, he's ramming into my guy and uh, he's talking about having fiesta. I, it was just very sickening, the whole ordeal. All right, now let's get to the actual racing itself. I know that was, that was tough. <laughs> Six laps to go. Like I said, the race kind of stunk. Everyone, Chase Elliott is running away with this snooze fest of a race. And then all of a sudden we get saved because a betting sign that was sponsoring the race flew onto the track and they had it like on the side Just somehow it ended up on the track. Is don't know point? how. So that's why they throw the caution. So th this betting works. site that I don't even know what it's for, but you know, they can use my services anytime because they stopped Chase Elliott from winning. The caution comes out. They stack them back up. So this is significant because Christopher Bell, he's in the 20 car. He needs a win to advance in the playoffs. He doesn't have enough points. The only way he can make it to the next round is if he wins this race. Got to clutch up. So he was back down in like 14th, and they told him to get four new tires because like, fuck it, we got nothing to lose. We need fresh tires. Caution comes out, and all of a sudden, they're stacked back up. Everyone's back together. He's like, oh, now we got a chance. So they they, they uh, get everyone in order, stack them back up. Middle of the pack is Austin Sindrick, too. He's also out of the race, like or, or below the cut line. He needs some points to get back above the cut line and advance the next round. So they, so they drop the rag, you know, green flags going six laps to go. Sindrick doesn't even try and make the turn. He just starts barreling people like knocks over like six cars trying to make the turn. Uh, meanwhile, back up in front, Chase Elliott, he's on the front row with AJ Allmendinger. So Allmendinger, he's the road course ringer. He only runs on road courses. <laughs> yeah. AJ Allmendinger. You're making up names. No, no. it's a, Yeah. Yeah. AJ Allmendinger, another story in itself, like AJ Allmendinger. He's a good guy too. Uh, underdog. He only runs in the road courses. He's not a playoff driver, but he's like, you know what? Screw it. I'm here to win. So he starts running Chase off the track. Like he gets in there and starts like muscling off the jump. Basically runs him off the track. He takes the lead. He's like, haha, take that. I'm winning this road course. Uh, and then all of a sudden, Kevin Harvick is like, hey, anything you can do, I can do better. So after Elliot comes off the track, he sees a hole. He comes in, knocks Dinger off the track. Now Harvick's in the league. But then all of a sudden, here comes Chris Bell. He's got the fresh tires. He starts picking off people. He's working his way all the way up to second with two laps to go. So he's trying to run down Harvick. Harvick's up by just over a second, but he's got the fresh tires. So all of a sudden, now this race has been really boring. This is going to be an interesting ending. Can, can Bell run him down, make the pass, save his playoff chances and his season? So it's going to be exciting. Then what happens? We get another caution that stacks him back up. So all that drama gets ruined because some scrub in the back um, Ty yeah. Dillon, he spun, Ty. couldn't get his car started. So now they're stacking them back up again. So Bell with the fresh tires, back on the restart with uh, our Bush light boy, uh, Kevin Harvick. He doesn't have fresh tires. So off the restart, he gets blown off the pack. Bell gets the lead. He starts running away with it. So now the back of the field where it's getting interesting because Chase Briscoe, he's below the cut line too. So is Austin Sindrick. So, uh, Briscoe needs some points. So Sindrick, he tries to make a power move, but Eric Jones, he's blocking him. He's like, nope, not going to happen. Spins Sindrick because Sindrick, he was too aggressive earlier. Sindrick spins, his playoff chances effectively killed. So now it's down to Briscoe, but he sucks. So he needs all the help he can get. So his teammate, Cole Custer, who also sucks, he's just kind of running out there for the advertisement, but he's not in the playoffs. He's like, I got you, buddy. So he slows down. He starts blocking all these cars, basically causing a traffic jam. So his, um, his buddy Briscoe can pass all the cars, get his playoff spot. And then uh, the race ends. Bell gets his win. Briscoe slides into the playoffs. His team got fined for that little stunt that Cole Custer threw, like because I guess you're not supposed to intentionally hold up traffic for your teammate, and he said it over the radio. So NASCAR's like, yeah, that's not happening. He got in trouble, but they're like, I don't care. My teammate got into the playoffs. We'll happily pay the $100,000 fine. And that 
is a very long NASCAR minute. <laughs> That was good. That was a venting session for me because no one wants to talk about NASCAR around here. I had to get the Corey LaJoy stuff off my chest. Everyone likes Corey. I like Corey. I felt betrayed. There was a lot going on there. Yeah, there was a lot going on. It was a a wild race. going on there. Yeah. I'm pretty sure you've gotten to the point where you know we don't know what the fuck you're talking about, so you just make up names to like (laughs) – you're like, yeah, and then uh, Jimmy uh, McFeelertits was up there, and he's taking six laps and both. I mean, AJ Allmendinger is like top five names. He used to be – he used to run for Red Bull Racing, who's no longer in NASCAR – his car stunk every week. He was getting frustrated. Then he had a cocaine addiction, so he was like out of the sport for a while. Now he's back. He's running in the Xfinity series, which is kind of like the part-time series. He's di- he got his life cleaned up. Now you know. Now he's clean. AJ, he he he. Wait, he, wait, Why is cocaine a problem with NASCAR? I mean, you're driving fast. I mean, I don't know. I don't know. But uh, yeah, so Danger, he won the Xfinity race on Saturday, which is like the AAA of NASCAR. And so he was doing double duty on the weekend, and he almost won the uh, the other one. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> I wish there's a 69 car. There's not. Tiffany so, McFingerbang in the 69 car from our boy Brian with his hammer. So the guy who drove for Red Bull got busted for Coke. Yes. Well, that, I mean, yeah, no. Basically, it's a Pepsi product at Mountain. I mean, yeah, that's like monster. over 10 years ago. Monster the Coke product. If you go to Andy's Custer, I don't know if it's still there, but for a while, because the race in Texas was sponsored by Andy's, the Xfinity race, they gave him his own, and he was running an Andy's uh, Custard uh, car. He had his own uh, flavor of ice cream. You could get the AJ Almondinger at an Andy's. They had his own, he had his own Sunday. Yep, that's him. He was like I- stepped on a Lego every time he wins. Before I forget, by the way, Aldo, what is uh, what's on your hat? What does that say? I see something. It looks it looks like someone with your last name on it. Let's say Fresas Sotos Rancho Los Ocales Strawberries, huh? Strawberry Farm. Nice. Give me one of those hats. I will wear the shit out of that hat. <laughs> All right, I'll try to find one. I like that hat. I mean, I try to throw you off, Mitch. I had a little Bodie in there. Oh. <laughs> Rest in peace. Oh, I was trying to find all the drivers as soon as I, I got uh, I got this guy. Yeah, yeah. Which I mean, your boy, Corey LaJoy. I still do like Corey. He's the people's, he's like your favorite NASCAR's driver, or like his favorite drivers. Corey LaJoy. He's the, he's that he, guy. No, that's Chase Elliott. He sucks. Who's this guy, Bubba Wallace. Who's well, Bubba Wallace? His crew chief, whose crew chief is named Booty Barker, which I always think is funny. Booty Barker and Bubba Wallace. Big names, dude. Who's that guy? Kyle Bush. That's Kyle Bush. Who's Ross Chastain? He's Who's... he made it round of eight. Watermelon farmer in the offseason, Ross Chastain. Who's that guy? That's not a NASCAR driver. It's very well oh, That's a Tiffany McFingerbang in the 69 car right there. Who's that guy? Not a driver. Okay. Who's uh, that guy? Oh, wait, sorry. All right. All right. All right. This is really good for the people listening. Um <laughs> <laughs> yeah use your imagination so for fids mitch although i'm so uh hopefully these playoffs continue to be as eventful they are this uh padres dodgers game is getting pretty good so i'm gonna go drink about four more beers and watch this so uh we will talk to you guys next week
And if, of course, if anything pops off, like if the White Sox randomly hire a manager or something like that, we'll jump on an emergency cast. But I think we're good for a little bit. But take care, everybody. Rebuild of the favorites. We here for the latest. South side or the north side. Not tuned to the greatest. Home team for the home teams. Both sides got our own rings. On the mound or the long ball. But we don't put the wrong strings. Yeah. It's that time of the year now Wrigley or Gantee So the whole league that we hear now New show with a new mood Discussions and interviews Straight rumors that might be This is Pinwheels and Knife Yeah This is what you waiting for, yeah You can put it on the board, yeah Every season they get all changed Take me out to the bar game This is what you waiting for, yeah You can put it on the board, yeah Put it on a boy, yeah. Put it on a boy. Every season, make it all change. Every season.